Blog Talk Radio. All right, listen up, y'all. I'm y'all substitute teacher, Mr. Garvey. I taught school for 20 years in the inner city, so don't even think about messing with me. Y'all feel me? Mm-hmm. Okay, take a roll here. Jay Quellen. Where's Jay Quellen at? No Jay Quellen here? Yeah. Uh, do you mean Jacqueline? Okay. So that's how it's gonna be. Y'all wanna play. Okay, then. I've got my eye on you, Jay Quellen. Balake. Where is Balake at? No Balake here today. Yes, sir. My name is Blake. Are you out of your goddamn mind? Blake. What? Do you want to go to war, Balaki? No. Because we could go to war. No. I'm for real. I'm for real. So you better check yourself. D-nice. Is there a D-nice? If one of y'all says some silly-ass name, this whole class is going to feel my wrath. Now, D-nice. Do you mean Denise? Oh, no. Bitch! You're traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro-Nerd Radio. With your guides, D-Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. Guess what? It's the Midweek in Review edition of AfroNerd featuring Captain Kirk. Happy Winter Solstice. Happy Kwanzaa. Merry Christmas. You name it. All of the Just happy holidays, people. Let's be politically, politically correct. Let's do that. You know the drill. The call-in number. Use it. 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. We have a lot to discuss 
Uh, obviously, I suspect quite a few folks are elated about the Alabama Senate race that they avoided a uh, – you know, Daryl can answer this question. Who is the name of that quasi-pedophile that appears on The Family Guy? Uh, when, when I bring him in, he will remind me, but that, that, that might have been who we avoided, you know, this, that weird whistling sound that that character makes. <laughs> we might have avoided it with, with uh, Senator, pardon me, Judge Roy Moore. Uh, we will talk about it. I know a lot of folks are happy about it. We, we uh, dodged a bullet, many would say. I have a different take. Um, very close race, 50 to 49 percent. So there's a lot of folks out here that would have been willing to have a person with that kind of pedigree. And I say that in quotes, um, sitting on, sitting on the, the Senate, having that Senate seat. So we got to talk about that, the allowances that people will make for effery. Anyway, this is the season folks. So I'm going to go through this. <laughs> let's go to, let's go to a local favorites. This is something that the, uh, the indefatigable and uncanny Daryl B., Yours truly, and of course the captain. We should have a have special affinity for this group. They laid it down so many years ago, and this really is the quintessential Christmas groove. Christmas in Hollis. We'll be right back. Run DMC. Let's groove.
All right. Certainly a Christmas classic, folks, especially something that uh, is near and dear to my heart because, hey, their fellow Queens residents, uh, that was and is Run DMC Christmas and Hollis. Let's get into it, folks. This is the Midweek in Review edition of Afternoon featuring Captain Kirk and also now featuring, at least for the duration, the uncanny Daryl B. Uh, pending his his schedule when he returns for the uh, Sunday or if if not Saturday Grindhouse show. Anyway, let's get into this, Captain. You need it on terra firma. Let's get to it. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. You're going to bring in Daryl now, or you want me to bring in Daryl after the diatribe? We can bring him in now. Let me let me let me get in that, and then you'll do the, your diatribe. Why not? Uh, this okay. gentleman is worthy of that kind of respect. Once again, uh, definitely an integral part of the Afro Nerd Radio machine. Could not do the show without any of our folk, including our left coast correspondent. He has the that eidetic memory we always talk about. He is the uncanny. I'm just trying not to get thrown out of here like Omarosa. Bye, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> oh, God. Man, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about that. There's a couple of things we didn't get a chance to list because they just happened. So we'll talk about Omarosa, and uh, we'll talk about the, the, the searching of the word feminism. I think Miriam's Webster's uh, Dictionary highlights the term femi- feminism. So there's something attached to that. I always have a thing about... Google searches, internet searches, uh, and subconscious thoughts not being so subconscious. You know, like racists in, let's say, a place like Alabama. Racists where folks profess to hate black people, but then their secret, most widely searched uh, algorithm is interracial sex. I kid you not. So, <laughs> there's a, we got to talk about that. There's a lot to talk about, Daryl, so hold on. Uh, I'm going to queue up the captain. Captain, it's your time. Let's get into it, and then we'll, we'll move forward. All right. All the listeners have heard the captain talk about your four-dimensional acting as a two, all right, meaning which you're into a matrix aspect with your thinking and your movements now. According to the physicist Spander Hoop, information is just two dimensions. Then this is later confirmed, allegedly, theoretically, possibly, by Neil deGrasse Tyson. And also Elon Musk. They said it's a possibility we could be living in a matrix. Now let me read from this article right here very briefly. I get out of the way. This is from Science Alert. The human brain can create structures in up to 11 dimensions. We found a world that we had never imagined. Neuroscientists have used a classic branch of math in a totally new way to pair into the structure of our brain. This is not my words, people. I'm reading from an article. What they've discovered is that the brain is full of multidimensional 
geometrical structures operating in as many as 11 dimensions. We're used to thinking of the world from a 3D perspective. So this may sound a bit tricky, but the result of this new study could be the next major step in understanding the fabric of the human brain, the most complex structure we know of. Okay, we can stop right there. We don't have to go too in-depth as far as the article is concerned. Now, you don't understand when the captain says you're four-dimensional, at least a four-dimensional according to the article, up to 11, and you go down to a two. You might not understand what that means. So I'm going to say this briefly. All of you understand analog versus digital, all right? It's not quite the same thing as this, but you can get the analogy from this. Analog has an unlimited bandwidth. Digital has a finite. We all know when you listen to an analog recording, you can hear more within it. Digital, it is cut down. So when you go from a four down to a two, or if you use the article, add into the article, a possibly 11-dimensional aspect down to a two, something is lost, and it becomes obvious. Now, if you add in quantum mechanics, you hear the captain say the observer collapses the quantum wave function. That is the Copenhagen interpretation of quantum mechanics, not my interpretation, according to them. Simply put, when you're observing a computer on a regular basis, iPhone, whatever phone you have, the computer in front of you, you start to make that world more real. Something begins to be lost. This is why you dummies are walking around the way you are, younger generation. It's all in the article. It's all in the science. So humans are going down this path. Scientists are starting to say, well, it seems like the brains of human humans are starting to get smaller. I wonder why. If you're going potentially down from 11 down to a 2, trying to compress everything, you may start to get more stupid. The computer can act in a calculator aspect, but that's not what the brain does. The brain is a lot more than that. So that's something for you people to think about. Okay? Now back over to you, Afro-Nerd. All right. You know, um, we're going to talk about this Alabama Senate race and what it means. Uh, again, listeners, uh, if you'd like to join in on our discourse, on our fun, just press 1. Uh, well, first, dial in. That helps. 646-915-9620. 646-915-9620. And then press 1. That way we know it's uh, essentially a virtual hand raise. That way you know um, that we know that you want to call in and, and, and speak with us. Um, however, I see quite a few folks that just like to hang out and just listen, so that's fine. Um, yes, yeah, so I want to talk about the Alabama Senate race, but I also I, I'm uh, acknowledging our friend from Chi Town, Sergio Mims. Uh, everyone's eager to talk about Amarosa. Amarosa is, has really been playing up her villainous role for the last 15 years. Um, how long has it been? Has it been that long? At least 10 years since the uh, since the Apprentice maybe 15, since The Apprentice, where she's always been playing this role, so she's been able to actually have a pretty good run with, this, with, this, uh, with her being a contestant on a game show to being in the White House. And, uh, of course, the uncanny mentioned it. I'm looking at what Sergio says. Sergio says, you're, go- you're going to talk about Amorosa getting her ass drug out <laughs> of the White House, kicking and screaming? And then I said... Uh, I, I wish I could. Fi- I wish I could find the audio on this. I got to find the audio on this, Captain. 
uh, I said, uh, what did Ken Norton say to Perry King and Mandingo? I thought you was different. <laughs> if, if, I, I, I gotta find, I gotta find that clip. I gotta find that. I have the the DVD, but there's a part where Mandingo, uh, Ken Norton, the boxer, uh, former heavyweight champion of the world, actually, he he uh, was forced. He was forced to have sex with the white house wife. Perry King was the actor. I forgot who played his wife. But his wife was, was, was angry with Perry King having sex with the, the, uh, the black women in the slave quarters. So turnabout is fair play, and she called upon Ken Norton to service her quite a few times. And Ken Norton knew what that meant, but he couldn't say no because he was a slave. But Perry King didn't want to hear that. So once he found out that he had sex with his wife, you know, uh, uh, white males at that time period, and truth be told, some white males in this time period can't handle that. And he literally boiled Ken Norton slash Bandingo in a hot cauldron. Susan George, thank you. Yes, was a very popular actress, actually, at the time. Um, she's in a sci-fi flick that, that I, I think they should try to read. You should know this. Um, you should know this, Daryl. What sci-fi flick was Susan George in in the late 70s with the, with the robot that also wanted to have sex with her? Not Barbarella. Um, no, 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 shoot. no. That's going to that's 60s, 70s. Uh, I you should know this, too. Uh, um, I... I plead the fifth on this one. I okay. don't know. I'll look it and, up. Uh, it was, and the guy's name you were looking for before was Mr. Herbert. Mr. Herbert? Yes, the family guy character. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Herbert. Yes, yes. Mr. Herbert, a.k.a. Roy Moore, didn't get the Senate seat in Alabama. Anyway, all right, enough of that. But that's what, that's what I think uh, Omarosa probably felt like saying if she didn't say it when she was being – uh, escorted out off the White House lawn, literally. I thought you was different. Anyway, <laughs> uh, let's go to some clips, or at least one clip, discussing this thing briefly. I mean, I'll just say right from the jump that this had the nation pulling out their respective popcorn barrels, looking on at the, as, as the Alabamians or Alabamans, I think both are, are, are grammatically correct, how they showed their quote-unquote asses. They showed themselves. You had uh, Roy Moore's wife at, I think, one of the, one of the last gatherings before, the, um, you know, before they actually had the c- contest, and they, they were um, allegations of anti-Semitism. And what I heard this woman say made me cringe. She said, well, some people think that we have something against Jewish people. And, they, and she says it with a southern drawl. She says, we have an attorney. We have a Jew. We have a Jew working for us, and he's, an attor- he's our attorney. So there, I'm like, wow. Wow. I mean, for those who don't know, never call a person 
of the Jewish faith or of Jewish, Jewish descent or who is Jewish, a Jew, as an, as an object. Don't go, don't go there. If you don't, if you didn't, if you don't understand, you should not. I know it sounds a little weird, but you shouldn't call a Jewish person a Jew directly. I say of Jewish faith, of Jewish descent, or Jewish, not a Jew. <laughs> wow. Anyway, you know, so you know, it's pretty clear what these people were, were about, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but I want I want black folks to get get it, get it understood. This was fifty to forty nine percent. Fifty to forty nine percent. Anyway. Let me play a clip, and then we will uh, expound, expand, and, and discuss. Um, all right. You know what? Let's go to the lovely Angela Rye, who I missed at Afropunk. I really wanted to ch- – I didn't, had no idea she was there. I would have I tried to c- contain myself and not really show my ass in quotes. I like her, but we have different thoughts. Anyway, Angela Rye on the Alabama election. Hold on. Off of Democrats. You're Democrats. And I told Mr. Jones this, and I love Doug. They've taken the black vote and the poor vote for granted for a long time. It's time for them to get off their ass and start making life better for black folks and people who are poor. They've always had our votes, and they have abused our votes. And this is a wake-up call. We got in a great position now. But this is a wake-up call for Democrats to do better for black people and poor white people. My ladies are back. Angela Rye is Sir Charles Wright. You know, Brooke, I never, ever thought I would see the day where I would be <laughs> agreeing with Charles Barkley, but I think he has this 100% right. Um, we have spent, you know, all year, um, all of 2016, talking about getting rid of identity politics, and all of a sudden we saw that identity politics was acceptable when you're talking about blue-collar white workers. Well, what we do know is that there are similar issues in the black community and with blue-collar white workers. And maybe instead of tossing out the idea of identity politics and not meeting people where they are and not identifying with them on a cultural basis, maybe the thing to do is recognize that our issues are real and where they're synonymous, they are, and we try to bridge the gap there. But we don't start tossing out the idea of getting rid of people who they are from a cultural perspective and appreciating the differences that they bring. And most of all, appreciating the fact that this is the Democratic Democratic Party's most loyal, supportive, ride-or-die base. You can't get away from that. And so it's time for you to fund it, Democrats. Absolutely. When you look at what happened in Virginia last month, you look at the special election in Alabama, you look at African-American women, you know, they are, it looks like they are the ones fueling the Democratic Party. Simone Sanders, what is driving that? Um, well, first of all, black women have always been at the forefront um, of change within the Democratic Party, within the entirety of the Democratic Party apparatus, um, in, in front of the scenes, but also very much so behind the scenes. It was Leah Daughtry, a black woman that has only, the only person to lead two conventions, two Democratic National Conventions, twice, and they were both historical conventions, Barack Obama uh, in 08 and Hillary Clinton in 2016. And so I, I think what's fueling this is that now the media and even the larger Democratic Party apparatus is waking up. We saw in 2016 that 53% of white women cast their ballot for Donald Trump in Alabama just last night, 65% of white women cast
ballot for Roy Moore in Virginia. Um, about 51% of white women cast their ballot for the Republican candidate, Ed Gillespie. And every single time, it is black women uh, voters that help push the Democrats over the top, including a coalition of millennials um, and progressive uh, white voters. And so the difference now is we're being extremely vocal about this, um, and black women are not taking no for an answer. And what you saw today from Tom Perez, Chairman Tom Perez of the Democratic National Committee, in tweeting out, let me be clear, it was black women in Virginia and black women in Alabama, is definitely a thank you and an acknowledgement that black women needed. Uh, but now we have to take it a step further and talk about resource investment. Yeah. Bernie's, Bernie's, Bernie's King tweeting on Selma. Selma? Lord mm. Selma, it is no coincidence that Selma, where blood was shed in the yes. struggle for voting rights for black mm. people, pushed Doug Jones ahead for good. April? All right. You get the gist. Uh, we m I might even have a few more clips, but let's just go around the horn. Uh, and also just for our audience edification, I'm getting, I'm getting my white actresses confused. I'm thinking of Julie Christie, Julie Christie in Demon Seed. <laughs> so yeah, Julie Christie had Susan George. They were popular around the same time. But again, this is just you know blurred blurred talk. Uh, Demon Seed was a sci-fi horror picture where the computer had sex with uh, the the um, creator's wife. 1977, Julie Christie, Susan George, Mandingo, totally different actresses. Anyway, um, let's get into this. Let, let's go to the Uncanny to get his impressions, and we'll go around the horn. What are your thoughts about? Were you invested in this? Were you like everyone else, Daryl? I mean, you don't necessarily have to be such a, a political or political enthusiast, but it was so in your face with around the clock coverage about what's. We're New Yorkers. Why should we care about Alabama? So I have to ask you: Were you invested in this? Was this of interest to you? I was, and, and here was why I was, and it's a simple fact of the matter. All right. Thanks to the little thing called Twitter that I've gotten invested in and has become a little bit of an addiction, I've gotten to meet and talk to a lot of strong black women that I've never talked to before in the past, okay? I've come to respect their opinions, all right? Now, this being said, I, I, I looked at that election and I'm like, okay, I'm seeing all the methods, and, and it's stuff that the captain has talked about, Nemesis has come on and talked about, all the shady dealings that certain politicos will do to prevent the black vote from getting out. So I, I wanted to see how Alabama was going to turn out, because obviously one candidate, kind of a liberal, kind of goes against the stuff that, that is traditional Southern values. The other candidate is a self-confirmed racist and pedophile. And up until yesterday, this dude was winning. The racist and pedophile was winning. The guy that was banned from several malls. The guy that was calling up teenagers, calling up their moms for permission to date them. This is the dude that was winning. All of that Christian superiority that they have down there, all of that uh, 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 Protestant, you know, uh, holier-than-thou stuff, white people were willing to throw out the window to get this dude elected. That's why I'm glad to see what happened, and I'm glad to see the totals.
But the next time a white person from down there, especially a white woman, comes up and talks about their morality and stuff, okay, everybody's now seen the, the polling, the polling statistics, white people, have seen where how you voted in that. Like, um, um, let me see. Don't come talk about moral superiority anymore because um, 97% of black people did not want the pedophile in. 95% of black men did not want the pedophile in. But when you look at the white vote, oops, starkly different numbers there. So you know what? Alabama, congratulations. And to Doug Jones, listen, a lot of black people stuck their neck out to get you into office there. Do right by them. Do get programs in there. Have fun. Have fun. Do a great job in there. Because, again, we'll be watching. This fight's no longer over because from the statistics on the white side of the arena, there's a lot of people there that did not want you in that office. We got you in there. Enough said. Back to you, Afrener. Okay. In, in all deference to, to you, I mean, you probably, maybe you knew this, maybe you didn't. And this is this is in respect to Mr. Uh, Counselor Jones, now uh, Senator Elect Jones. We, we have to be respectful of his bona fides. Now, what I mean by that is bona fide uh, is what is that Doug Jones was the prosecutor in the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing case where he was instrumental many years later, Daryl. And uh, you, you remember the, 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 uh, the Spike Lee documentary, Four Little Girls. Those oh, girls yeah. that, were, that were killed, he was, the, he was the attorney that was responsible for, in the early aughts, we're talking about, like, again, that happened in 63, and it wasn't until 2001 where this trial, where these folks were trialed, the two principal uh, parties that were responsible for, hard, for killing those four girls, um, Doug Jones was the lead prosecutor in that case. So, and there's still people that hate him for that. I have family I down that. in Alabama. So, I understand that. Okay. I understand that, and I also agree that uh, uh, Counselor and now Senator, Senator-elect Jones, uh, he has to be, you know, his, his carpet has to be pulled, but we also have to be honorable and conscious as to his bona fides are, 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 are there. Okay, we can't really just be – listen, 30 years later, this man was able to bring these, these people to justice. I mean, they're elderly men now. That goes to show you how, how the roots of racism, how deep they really are in many of these southern states, Alabama notwithstanding, that you have folks that – many of them, these criminals, admitted that they did these things to black people, but no one was willing to actually, actually – uh, come in on them, these, jur- these juries, you know, all white juries aren't going to find white criminals uh, guilty. So it took until 2001 for that to happen, and Doug Jones was responsible for that. So that's why we got to be careful with saying, like, you know, he, he's not exactly someone, but you're right, because of that. He's not exactly someone what? It, it's like you, you guys are bouncing around a situation. Say what he is. Just say what he is, man, based on what no, he has done. Listen, listen, he's he's not he is the he is the antithesis of uh Roy Moore. Simple and plain. Okay. 
That's it. That's okay. That's and it. he's gonna and from this point on, he's going to have an uphill fight with most of these people. All right, because they they backwards trumped him. What do I mean by backwards Trump? All right. Remember, the popular vote it was against Trump. Okay, Trump's in office, assuming everybody's going to like him. You know, I'm in office now. Everybody's going to like me. Uh uh-uh, uh, mother. We have long memories. We know exactly what you are. Well, with Mr. Jones. He's now in office and has to realize that a large majority of the people that are going to be working with him did not want him there. And people may go, but but why are you saying that? Look at the poll chart. Look at who voted and how they voted. He's from Alabama. I'm sure he's aware of that, Daryl. <laughs> well, hey, I, I'm, this, is, this is why you try to censor me. I'm, I'm not censored. I'm speaking 100 here, baby. Right on the truth. Can I interject Um, something? Cap, your thoughts? All right. You have to realize something in America. You know, I'm not talking about from a New York perspective. New York has its ish with it, too. But you go around America. You go around America. You could be in one spot in America. I'm not talking about New York, and I'm not talking about L.A., I'm not talking about Orlando, Florida, either. Okay? Let's say middle America. You can go places... This is, you know, we can go places here in America, and people are super-duper racist. But in the same spot, you run into people that are super-duper liberal. Then you go down south, you run into people that may be mildly racist. Then you run into people that are super-duper racist. Then you also get some liberal MF, super-liberal MF. It's a dynamic within this place that's definitely split. You're not one way. <laughs> You're not one way here in America, for sure. You're definitely not one way. And when you run these primaries, when you run these elections, you 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 see what's happening here in America. And some people would say, "Oh, this is nothing new. This is nothing new. This is nothing new." Some people would say that, you know. But it's just interesting how this thing overallly plays out. Why was it so close, America? Since you're so liberal, <laughs> why? Because it's down south. Why is it so close? You're not bothered. By, you're not bothered by pedophilia. That doesn't bother you. Forget about the racism. You know, young people. Don't all of you have kids? This is something for you to think about. You know, fourteen, fifteen-year-old daughters, sixteen-year-old daughters, and sometimes even younger. You know, kids. Isn't that, that stuff don't bother you? That goes into the psyche of these individuals. This food for thought you to think about. Forget about the other stuff. Just that alone. Forget about other stuff. That's all. Back over to you, Afternerd. All right. I just had to mute you a little bit, Daryl, because I'm getting a little bit of static from your line. So if you if you see me kind of like going in no and problem. out. You no know. problem. All right. Uh, let's, go, let's go to the phones. Um, it, you know, the, the more that we discuss this, the more things come to my mind, even with what the captain was talking about as far as the pedophilia allegations or, or uh, you know, again, the senator, uh, well, the wannabe senator, Roy Moore being a pederast. Uh, th- there's a component to Southern culture that they were hinting at, well, that more, not even hinting at, many of the, men and women 
who were desperate to have someone like Roy Moore have that Senate seat, they were kind of sort of saying that, you know, uh, a, a established adult males, uh, almost it's almost an expected thing to have to have relations with, you know, minor women. I mean, this is this is something that these same people would probably critique what happens in certain Middle Eastern and African countries based on their culture. They have the same culture. At least that's, at least that's, that's what they're saying. And there's a, there's a really, uh, a very murky, ambiguous perception with how some of the Southern culture plays itself out when it's levied up against racism. Because that's the operative word. Roy Moore has a whole litany of beliefs that hardline religious right people, neoconservative folks. Now, I'm a moderate conservative. So that's, that's, I know folks, when they hear the tagline conservative, they think there's just one way to be conservative. There's, there's a myriad of ways to be conservative. I said this ad nauseum. But they were willing to overlook his predilection. Again, this, this guy was banned from the local mall because he was lurking and, and, and pursuing young teenage women, girls. But when it came down to the, the, some, of the, some of these voters who desperately wanted to have Roy Moore over a Democrat, for some reason in their world, a Democrat is worse than a pedophile. Some of the, some of the women spoke up and said, oh, well, anybody's parents would be, would, would, would be uh, overjoyed to have, at that time, a 31-year-old uh, DA dating their 16-year-old daughter. There's some effery afoot, ladies and gentlemen. There's some effery afoot. Anyway, let's go to the lines from the DMV, 703. What's up? Hello, gentlemen. This is Bison for Life. What's up, Bison? How you doing, man? Hey, man, like every day, someone else was getting fired for sexual harassment. They just caught up the tab of smiling. What? Yeah. That's suspended by PBS. Just came out. Oh, yep. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Male that is correct. Female. Male or female. Okay, here you go. I'm just asking. Here you go. I'm asking. Who Who was it? Do you know the gender of the person? No. Bison? I'm assuming I'm assuming female. I mean, I, I just texted a friend who who um who interviewed for a job with him a few years ago out in LA and she told me some things. But anyway. Um, right. Okay, okay, okay. Get, Go on. <laughs> I mean, to get back to the discussion, um, like Daryl, I have a lot of family in Alabama. A whole lot of family in Alabama. And I think what I hated about the media coverage is you rarely saw black people interviewed. You never hear, you know, you always hear about the black blue collar or poor whites or whatever. You never see blacks being interviewed when it comes to politics. I mean, the state has almost a 30% African-American voting population. That's a substantial voting block. Oh, yeah. And as usual, the Democratic Party was a day late, a dollar short, parachuting people in at the last minute, you know, to drum up support. I mean, people's going to vote anyway. That's what my people told me. Um, because let me tell you, I'm going to I'm going to be a little politically incorrect, 
um, for a couple minutes here. Um, like you like it deeper. I know you don't like political correctness, so I'm going to go hard. Listen, Roy Moore is a typical old-time cracker <laughs> that I've grown up with and I've seen. I mean, that's the type of cracker that the only black person he wants to see if you playing on the Alabama football team, him, yep. just seconds. that's from an old-fashioned racism that I grew up with, my family grew up with, and passed down to me what they saw. I mean, you got to realize, gentlemen, the, a lot of colleges in Alabama, I mean, Alabama, the, the SEC didn't integrate to the 1970s. University yeah. of Alabama football team was all white until they played USC in 1970 or 71 with Sam Bam Cunningham. So, that's the mentality you're dealing with. And when you leave some of these big cities, Birmingham, Huntsville, Mobile, maybe Montgomery, and you start going to the Black Bible Belt and some of those counties now, that's a different goddamn world. Well, you got one industry if you have that. I mean, people always talk about rural America. People don't talk about the Black Belt rural America where a lot, I mean, a lot of things haven't changed. Poverty. I mean, extreme poverty. I'm talking about New York City living in the Bronx poverty. You know, you're getting a welfare check and, you know, getting Section 8 and all that type of crap. I'm talking about no plumbing. Out, I mean, today, you know, outhouses, people living in trailers. So I hope the black population in Alabama keeps him accountable because here's the thing, everybody, that's a special election. In three years, they're they going to run another candidate. And Jones is going to lose badly unless they, you know, unless the um, they really get their act together. And like Daryl said, I mean, with all that being said, a racist, misogynistic, pedophile girl, blah blah blah, doing candidate, and he still barely lost by one percent and two twenty thousand write-in votes. But look, look at the mindset you're dealing with. We can be in the same that, – that's taking me in the same situation in three years when they do the, another election um, um, in three years' time. It's I'm true. telling you, Jim, sometimes people got to get out of these east – got to get out of these coastal bubbles and, and, and go to these flower countries, you know, on places where life is a lot different. Every place ain't Brooklyn. Well, that's, that's and he still bison, hasn't conceded bison, either. Bison, bison, bison. That's what I said. That's what I said. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I agree with you. I'm just, you know, for the archives and people listening, I, I don't like sometimes we get into this down there. You know, what Malcolm X said, if you south of the Canadian border, you're south. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> we got the same mentality. Now, oh, I, mm-hmm. I, there's some people who, and I'm going to just wrap this up, but, I, I mean, there's some people, you know, just think that, that, that voting is just, a, is just a road to nowhere. I disagree. I think it's voting with. Um, economics and some more things to kind of pull us out of condition we are. But voting is, is a basic, it's one of the easiest things you can do. But you got to remember that there was voter suppression. Um, they had to go through hoops with the um, courts to get felons, to, you know, ex-felons the right to vote. I mean, there's still voter suppression. I mean, I don't know how, you know, in New York, outside of when Obama voted, like I know Daryl was talking about, I mean, you know, you go to vote. I mean, you can leave your car running outside, you're in and out. But you look at some of those lines down in Alabama, those people in line for hours to vote. Or they closing, they were closing 
DMV places for you to get IDs. I mean, voter suppression is real, and we shouldn't overlook that. Oh, Bison, believe me, up here, same way, my polling place for the last seven years has changed before the month of the vote. Literally, I've had people ask me, um, D, where where are we supposed to go to vote? So now, me and my family, we keep in touch with all the political to doings, and and so we 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 keep keep a hold of the letters, and we we know, but where there's people less educated, where there's people that frankly don't care, those are votes lost, and that's what the uh, that what the people in charge were counting on. Oh, they won't care enough to pay attention to this, so that's a vote lost for the opposition. <laughs> well, I can- and uh, and oh wait, quickly on a side note. What he's saying about black people not knowing there to LeVar Ball, I hope you're teaching your kids better how to, how to last in an international country because they're going to find out pretty soon that, hey, this ain't California no more. Go ahead, yeah, uh, Afrener. Yeah, one quick thing, too. You know, with the whole voting issue, I mean, this is something that um, I don't even want to just levy, levy a critique against millennials. I'm, uh, I'm always, you know, our, my audience, our audience knows I'm always having this bugaboo about millennials, but this is not, this is just people, young folk in general, not necessarily millennials. But this whole notion of it doesn't pay to vote or voting doesn't matter when you see a fifty, 50 to forty nine percentile range in a highly contested situation that we saw in Alabama, voting is very important. And more importantly, if voting wasn't so important. Why do some certain forces make try so hard to make sure that they that you don't vote? It's like not, it's like uh, when we were slaves. When we were slaves, they didn't really want you to read either. You know, I mean, so it's illogical when you hear some of these folks till this day. Some, sometimes even these puffy, the, the puffies of the world, people who have enough access and wealth to know better, and who was in the whole rock the vote or whatever. When he was in that, involved in that campaign, now all of a sudden he'll come out and say, well, voting doesn't really matter. So if it doesn't matter, why do they try so hard to prevent you from voting then if it doesn't matter? Oh, they know – oh, voting matters. The, the one thing that is very important about this particular contest is that black folks cannot continue to be the, the lone ranger of the Democratic Party coming in to save the day. Because that's becoming becoming a trope. You come in to save the day, they pat you pat you on the head, and you don't get anything for that. This should have been maybe they maybe that this happened, maybe this did happen. You know, April Ryan, who I played in the in the clip, had said we should be seeing some bartering going on with our political leaders with Mr. Jones and others in the Alabama and beyond political establishment, they say, okay, we need X, Y, and Z if we're going to come to the rescue, uh, black people and black women specifically. You know, we, we, we got you this time. What do we get? But, but historically, we come in to save the day, and we, we get a ham and cheese sandwich, and we get someone uh, like uh, Hillary Clinton doing the nene, and that's all good. The white people, they really like us. They really like us. No. Knock it off. All right. Let's go to 404. I think this is uh, Nas out of Georgia, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, sir. 
How y'all doing? Hey, how you doing? Hey, what's Nas? up, man? You what's doing? up? Yeah, I'm good, man. Uh, you know, I want to add a little inspiration and also a little bit of, you know, hey, man, <laughs> sometimes hard things got to be said. Uh, yeah. It's cool that Charles Barkley's kind of, you know, made some awakenings and realized some things, uh, but what he and April Ryan seem to not really get is those are the conversations and negotiations you have before, not after. So you're still in the same position of you've got a centrist Democrat who can barely move because we're still talking about Alabama. The racism part y'all talked about, I mean, we already know that. We don't need to explore it. So you're not going to be able to move him much and be able to pull much out of him. Uh, the question becomes, okay, how do these black organizations on the ground who are actually more responsible for this than the Dem Party, uh, when Obama came in late after it looked like they, they, they were going to be able to win, that's a whole other story. But the, the real thing is, will funds be diverted to black organizations on the ground so we create more acorns and other such uh, you know, institutions to where you can actually have a political class and a political apparatus that you can make work in all of these major cities. So that's, that's the, the bad side of this for black folks, uh, the idea that you know, this is still the same dynamic. Now, the good side is, of course, you stop the worst of the worst from getting in. But we, we seem to be confused about I think people keep saying this cultural thing. I think what they're missing is the echo chambers of social media. The majority of those more supporters weren't saying that they agreed with pedophilia. They were saying they didn't believe the stories because they got on Facebook in their feed, in their echo chamber, and listened to all the conspiracy theories and how the liberal media in the deep state was trying to take down their candidate. Now, Steve Bannon could have become a kingmaker if he had got Roy Moore elected, he could have pushed the Republican Party around a little bit. Now Steve Bannon has kind of lost his magic. I don't know if uh, he'll still get that money from the Mercers. And it's looking like Trump is going to start leaning towards the establishment Republicans. So we got to swing there just with this particular election. Now, I mean, think about it. If Luther Strange was the nominee, they'd probably easily win. Steve Bannon caused this chaos by wanting Trumpism to go nationwide. And it looks like Trumpism is only particular to Trump. So you, you, it, it appears they can't duplicate it. Uh, then we got this weird thing on social media where black women saved us again. Black women are God. Look, black women voted a 97% clip. Black men voted for them at a 93% clip. So, I mean, we're talking about black people. So this whole separation thing that we keep doing and making this just some kind of celebratory black woman thing is really weird and something we need to really get over and mature out of because, uh, that, that does not look like a good place to be uh, as far as being divided. Now, the Bernie Coalition uh, last election, they went after the Clintons really hard over those superdelegates, and they started finding out that a lot of the funds were being diverted towards the presidential campaign and some of the higher offices and not to the local Dem offices because people wanted that ad money. The NAACP and other black local groups have to demand that money now. They have to say, look, you won't win without us and our coalition. We need some of those funds here. And also, there's some things we're going to want once elected. And at that point, then you start pushing for more progressive people that the majority of black people actually agree with, as opposed to getting these centrist Democrats to where it's saying, hey, at least it's better than that guy over there. You know what I mean? So we're still caught up in that same dynamic, but it's good to see people, uh, you know, getting engaged and trying to start in the political process. There's 76 million baby boomers, 71 million millennials. 
Now, the baby boomers are still outvoting the millennials two to one. That's the biggest problem in the U.S. right now. Uh, we got an aging group who made a lot of money off government, <laughs> uh, as y'all would call them, handouts over their lifetime, and then spent the rest of their lifetime pulling up that same ladder and making sure other people couldn't enjoy those same benefits. That raggedy baby boomer group, uh, you know, hey, they age, they die off. So the millennials, we've got to see what they're really about uh, as a generation. But this, 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 this election down in Alabama, man, this was some, it, was, it was some really amazing stuff to see and also surprising uh, just in the sense that uh, black folks are kind of falling for the same banana in the tailpipe because we're way too celebratory right now instead of being brass tacks, look, this is what we want. We don't care if it makes you, you know, uh, really unpopular here. Uh, go for the coalition that puts you there. That's what Trump appears to be doing. He got his fire. He's got his firewall of supporters. He's got negative and disapproval ratings, you know, rising everywhere else. But he's sticking with his supporters, and because of that, he's able to at least float on. And that's what these some of these people are going to have to do. But both in the centrist them, yeah, you know, it's a well, start. Well, well, one quick thing. I, I'm not going to d- discredit your analyses, right? Uh, I would agree. You're correct that many of the Alabamans, uh, white, male and female Alabamans, they would say that they, they, there was a conspiratorial edge to this kind of last-minute disclosure at, at the beginning of, of, of this election or towards the end of the election that these allegations came out. So, you know, the fake news uh, – Trump's battle cry, some of that played a role in this. But I also noticed that the news did focus on some of the, the um, more, more, uh, more scary components of Southern culture that seemed to make excuses or allowances for older men and younger women. I saw women who, women who were old enough and were com- somewhat compliant and complicit with the belief that we want our, our guy so bad that what he really did, because they were talking about the, the, they were talking about uh, the, the uh, alleged uh, reputations of some of these women, which is something that this mm-hmm. was a fall a fall to kind of thing. But we saw that, and they kind of they kind of said, I mean, listen, the Jerry, the Jerry Lee Lewis thing. I mean, it's not just R. Kelly in the black community. I mean, Southern culture is rife of stories of older men too old to be dealing with some of these, these younger girls, obviously. But because they wanted their guy, they, was a, they were kind of contorting to, to that belief system. They were going into this no, is no, Southern I, culture. I, I think you raised a great point with that, Apple. But what I'm saying is the percentage of those people is, I mean, I, I think we're talking at least three times as much uh, people who are fall into the conspiracy angle that I'm talking about. Like, if we were to search Facebook and see what was, was traded back and forth during this period, how many evangelicals could you find who were dismissing this with the idea of this is culture, and how many people would you find with the fake news trope and all of the, the Trumpisms uh, that Bannon and the Mercers were pouring money into uh, during this period? That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that, that's there, too, but this one is, is, is much, much greater. And a bigger problem we have in America right now. These echo well, look, chambers we, are dangerous. Look, we could discuss the metrics. I think even the metrics are kind of irrelevant. The issue, and then we, we have all the call, callers as well. The issue is, 
is that this was 50 to 49 percent. Trump was trying to take his message, you know, his his message of really over, yeah. overseeing or or, or uh, neg- listen, he's totally deconstructed some of the things that many years ago we would think a person was was not would, would not be uh, his her, uh, the comportment of the of the of the person would matter. I, when you think of someone like yeah. um, the the uh, what's his name uh, Howard Dean. Howard Dean in 2003. <laughs> I mean, you have to understand what right. I mean, this is crazy. Howard Dean. Al Gore uh, writing while George W. was speaking, and people talked about how how, well, look, uh, poor, how much I poor think, taste that was. Yeah. I think yeah. the most the most famous and most lampoon thing was when uh, when governor was Governor Dean from from Vermont, if I remember correctly. When yep. he uh, when he lost one or two contests. He, which in the, big, in the big scheme of things, really should not have been a big deal. He has his campaign rally to his to his supporters, and in uh, in, a, in a moment of ebullience, he kind of screams out all these these these. You know, we're gonna go, we're gonna win in Arizona, we're gonna win in in Colorado, and he he goes yeehaw, whatever. He did that one thing. He was yeah. done. He was done. Now you go from that to a decade later. Where Trump can say, well, you know, uh, my heroes don't really, you know, my heroes don't get captured. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, some, that was some, the moment well, I think say, people realized we were in a different place now. Like the core was out the window. People wanted it outside. Different they place, wanted different somebody place. to punish the two parts. Yeah. Listen, different place. Now, now is here, here, but but let, me add, let me add this, Afro. And this is another part of the, the worst of Trump. People wanted an outsider figure. They got him, and now this probably pushes people back to status quo after they after he runs his course, and we don't get a true outsider who could come in and actually challenge the parties on the merits and also, you know, some of the disgusting things they are doing as far as campaign finance, as far as super PACs, dark money, con- you know, contributions that are somewhat nefarious. Like the things that really need to be addressed aren't addressed, and now you know Trump kind of scares people into going back into status quo. So we get our our, our uh, what do you call it? We get our our mystery card uh, to pull out, and it happens to be this guy. So now you know outsiders are actually going to be on the, uh, you know, I guess on the fringe to a degree. So it'll be harder for us to get an outside candidate again. So yeah, this dude has ruined a lot. And like I well, said, these echo chambers, Afro, I mean, we really can't discount how dangerous these things are because you can have a whole swath of people who believe things that are not only not true but have no <laughs> chance of even being close to true. You can create a Pizzagate moment when you have people that, in that kind of echo chamber. On that note, we got more calls. Nas, as always, man. Indeed. Appreciate it. Thanks, sir. All right. Let me go to, let me go to 201, our friend. From Philly, Q Storm, what's up, man? Hey, man, you guys covered a lot of territory since I hit that number one, <laughs> raising my hand. But, we have uh, a lot of calls, man. Yeah, emotional, things emotional. Real quick. <laughs> I I guess I just need you guys to you guys went in on how black people show up at the last minute and we get nothing for it. I'm I'm never really under. I hear a lot of people say that. I don't understand that concept. Please educate me, because um, it seems to me that black people in general want the same things that white people do, and that would be jobs, health care, CHIP to be funded, 
we want a tax break. We uh, what are we want uh, equal education? I'm not. I'm trying to understand what is it that black people want for voting in a candidate that um, uh, that believes in their interests, other than that's any different from what any other American wants. And to me. The fact that Doug Jones got a huge support by the black community tells me that they learned the lesson from voting for Trump or not showing up, allowing Trump to, to get a win, because despite that somewhat questionable flyer that Doug Jones's campaign sent out, black people came out and supported him. So apparently we've learned that, you know, maybe we have said the lesser of two evils, if you want to go that dramatically about it, but... This whole thing about we don't get anything with when we vote these people in, I'm not understanding that because we all we want the same thing that rural and poverty-stricken white America wants. I think. Well, listen, you 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 ask a very um, a very interesting question. It's it's a fair question, but I can I can look at it in a many different ways. First of all, um, I, I think it is just apropos. It is good political. Negotiation, going with Nas just spoke about, and he, he was very correct. And that was I. I don't think I uh, said it, but fortunately he he said it. The negotiation process, process respectfully, should take place before uh, you place your vote. Now, old school politicians knew this. Someone, one of my idols, one of my idols, uh, Adam Clayton Powell Jr., was a master of this. Matter of fact. Uh, dare I say He might have been more Effective than Dr. King in some regards And that's why there was A little bit of friction between Dr. King I don't know if too many people know this But there was friction between Dr. King And, and Adam Clayton Powell Because Adam Clayton Powell Was that dude uh, Congressman from Harlem And he was the master of the deal Forget about Donald Trump It was actually Adam Clayton Powell Jr. And when he saw this young upstart coming in, there's allegations out there that he wanted to even put out there that Dr. King was gay. He and uh, um, Bayard Rustin, he want, it was no truth to this at all, but he's a political animal because he didn't want this young upstart to ruin his, his role. So I'm trying to give you a full answer here. What I'm saying is – oh, let me finish my point. Let me finish my point. Full um, old school negotiators, old school black politicos, whether it was Adam Clayton Powell Jr., whether it was A. Philip Randolph, um, these these gentlemen. You, it was very clear. The history, the historical record shows these people were able to garner a lot of power and access for black people for that time period. We have not really seen the black political establishment garner that same kind of access in this modern era so when you think about alabama uh being ex- extremely poor when you deal with with the, the school the school systems for black people the, what you're talking about the indices the indexes for for black people in these in these cities and states they're still nowhere compared to even the white poor now logic would dictate what you're saying is correct White people, white poor, white working class, black working class, the color issue shouldn't even be involved in this. It should just be working class. But white folks will not allow that. 
Okay, they saw just on a on a surface level a black president. The look of that made them feel, oh, these black people are gaining something. Not that it has anything to, anything to do with the reality of the situation, but it, it it made them feel uncomfortable and inadequate. So, what what my so just to wrap this up, what you're asking for has validity. That everyone should, you know, everyone is is worthy of having lower taxes and making school, making sure that that they have uh, uh, schools that are up to par and that their communities are safe. But black folks, the indexes show that that we we still be lagging behind everybody else. So when you put these 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 Democrats in charge, there's there's no indication based on the indexes that black folks are actually gaining anything for that. That's that's what an answer to your question. Yeah. All right. Uh, another way to look at this, it's somewhat analogous, is like this. If you have someone in office that you feel is going to do something for you, meaning which your color is not a problem. First of all, let's understand race is a factor in here. Just because you're poor white and you're poor black, you're not treated the same. Let's understand that. Just as you, when you go to the court, Black people and white people. There's a lot of books, there's a lot of statistics on that. Same prize or no prize. Who gets more time? Black people get time. So nothing here is done fair in this country. Let's stop playing them games. So now, another way to look at this is look at this from the New York standpoint. Rockefeller laws. If you have someone in office that's there for your agenda, maybe you don't get the Rockefeller laws. And all these black people are put away in prison for a small amount of crack cocaine. Now, if you look at the opioid crisis, they're white. How come they're not throwing them in prison left and right? Come on. You see what I'm saying? So they're doing their agenda regardless. So black people going in before, they have to try to find someone or figure out some way, someone that can lean towards them. Because that's how the game is played. Even in the White House, in the, the whole con- Congress, political offices, and that, all that type of stuff, you have what is known as lobbyists. What are they doing? Whose interests are, are they there for? This is how it's played. It's not played where, from the standpoint that you're going to get 25%, they're going to get 25%, they're going to get 25%, you're going to get 25%, and everything is done equally. That's in a perfect world. Race is a factor in this country. It's a real factor, and you see it play out on a daily basis here. You know, that's all I wanted to add to it. What would you ask, Larry? Yeah, you're you're um, patently correct, Captain. On that, uh, my thing is, unfortunately, we don't really have the economic power to put the pressure, or rather, we don't use the economic power that we may have to to elicit. Some of the some of the requests that other folks have been able have been able to uh, to, to 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 get, that's one thing. We we don't have the we don't have that 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 financial base, or we're not being creative in using the financial power that we do have. But we do have the the vote. If you don't have the money, you should have been able to at least leverage your vote beforehand. Uh, we know famously that many of these districts have maybe to this day had political leaders. The, these ministers have a lot of power. They're able to they're able to um, put pressure on their congregations. And it used to have these people, the, the the ministers, cutting deals 
on behalf of the their congregants and the kind of power they had in their communities to basically uh, promise, okay, we're going to do X, Y, and Z for you. What do we get? I didn't hear any of that discussion. Maybe that happened. But just, to, to, just for black women, you know, black men and women, but like Nas said, black women coming in and, and kind of hoorah, hooray, hoorah. I was it, was it Bison? Hooray, hoorah, we did it. What are you getting? You know, these democratically red, uh, led cities and states for black people are in, are in bad shape. We're not getting what, anything what, for this. What would you what would you negotiate? I'm just curious. You mentioned the word we need to negotiate. What exactly would you negotiate? Listen, these the senators have have a lot of power. They sit on all kinds of committees where, where they're able to access funds. They're able to access these funds for, for or directives for communities. You'd be amazed at how much power a senator actually has. <clears throat> and you, you have to you you'd have to sit down with this guy and, and actually you have to tell him directly what you're looking for for your community. If you're going to promise him, okay, we're going to bring in this vote, what oh. do you do? So these these well, what are you going to ask? A, what, well, what am I going to ask? Listen, I'm not an Alabama resident, but I know that Alabama, as far as the, as far as the, uh, the school system sucks, I can say that bluntly. Um, right. Education, the, the, I said education. Right. Education, the, 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 uh, even Catholics talk about the, the laws, how, how the laws are, are levied against black defendants. Um, you, housing I mean there's, there's a whole host of things I mean you're, 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 in a fair world What you're saying makes sense Where black people and white people want, want the same thing But obviously they're not being divvied out equally Hey can I, can I jump in um, Real yeah. quick Yeah bring um, a surgeon in a second First you, we're not gonna, you're not going to walk in And talk to a senator and make demands um, It doesn't work If you need your vote you will If you need your vote everybody no, else does it not no. us no, if unless you represent a block or you represent business, if you donate money, yes. That's why I, I have an open invitation to you, Cap, and Daryl to come to D.C. And we talked about what I can do, but also let's let's schedule meetings to go meet your senators on Capitol Hill and see what comes out of that. It's easy to say that. I don't want you to think they're going to say, what can you do for me? Well, look, and then I'm not going to say, I don't want you to get the impression I'm saying uh, Afro nerd as an individual. Certainly, the, the leaders I'm getting at, our leadership represents the, the black base. So there's something lacking in our leadership where they're not able. I mentioned the Adam Clayton Powell Jr.'s who, who, had, who was a part of the Harlem district. He was able to acquiesce that power. Okay, where are these people? That's my that's my question. I would never have give you the impression that oh I'm going there. Even though some people do that, it's not about me as a person. But yes, yeah, certainly our rep, your black representative, whether it's, whether it's a, a, a minister, where these 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 mega churches, your 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 business owners, that that sector is supposed to be leveraging their power to say listen. We can assure you we're going to bring in this vote. What can we what do? Rangel, X, Y, and Z. What did Wrangel – did Wrangel represent uh, – Wrangel took over – Wrangel represented – uh, yeah, he represented – um, uh, um, uh, he took over Powell, 19, uh, 1970. Okay. Did, did Harlem grow under him? Did Harlem grow under Wrangel? Part – well, that's a double-sided question because uh, – 
many would say that he was a, he listen he 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 uh, accessed things for himself, but uh, monies did flow through Harlem. But you had you had uh, the Sutton, the Suttons over there. So you had some people that were able. You had the um, uh, what is the name of that famous? Uh, that's, see, you're making me think of the, uh, Sergio remembers this. Uh, I forgot the name of the famous group, Basil Patterson. You might. It's a group of uh, the group of was it the group of eight. I'm I losing my, my memory. I know what you're talking about. But those gentlemen were extremely powerful Harlem leaders that actually did what you asked. Did they get some money? Yes. But they also acquiesced a lot of funding through Harlem. The Gang of Eight. Famously. So we, we, don't, we don't have those. We do not have that level of leadership in this era. I'm just saying. Let me go to, uh, let me go to Sergio. Hold on. Serge. Yes, hello. How are you doing? Pretty good, man. I, to make it very quickly, I don't think this election in Alabama is as big as everybody wants it to make it simply because I don't think it was so much a referendum on Trump as it was on Roy Moore. Because if they had Luther Strange or some other Republican, I think that person would have won. Well, well I, I, you know, I, I, go ahead. This is what I was getting at. You know, I, I really don't care why uh, black people came out at the last minute. It's because it, it, I think it's perfectly fine to say we all came out because we didn't want a pedophile. Uh, uh, representing us in the Senate. One quick thing, because I want to be correct. I'm sorry. Gang of Four. There was a Gang of Eight, too. Gang of Four in New York was David Dinkins, ba- Basil Patterson, Charles Rangel, and Percy Sutton. Gang, pardon me. Gang, there's a Gang of Eight, too. Gang of Four. The Harlem Clubhouse. My, pardon me. My memory's failing me. Go ahead, um, Q. I'm sorry. just want to make sure people get the facts. No, I'm just saying I think it's perfectly fine to say black people in Alabama came out simply to vote for the lesser of two evils. I don't see any problem with that. It's oh, that's, that's horrible. That's horrible. You can say it's horrible if you like, but how horrible would it have been if Roy Moore had been, in, been a senator? Well, there, there's the main point that thought, everybody's glossing over. Okay? We've run long with this topic, but let's just – State facts. These people were willing to put a figure of pure evil in, other than put in the candidate that black people kind of tolerated. Let's move on. I, sir, do you have anything else to add to this? I mean, well, let me let me just kind no, of. No, not I want to, really. I I think that um, I think it's too early to see if this is going to change any kind of the political fabric by this time next year with the midterms. I still think it's too early. I know the media and everybody is bringing this up, thinking that there's a new day. I'm not too sure about this. You can't, you don't, you can't trust voters nowadays. I don't know what could happen. 
What new day? We had Obama in office for eight years. Nothing changed. We're yeah, not saying you. there's going to be a big change. But, what again, I'm bringing up the point that we're all glossing over. Figure of true evil, not stupid evil like who's running the country right now, not mm-hmm. cloaked evil like the people that were behind them, true evil. All right? This Roy Moore, that is true evil. Okay? How many times do you hear these these people get on their pulpits and condemn uh, alternative lifestyles and condemn this, saying, oh, it's going to corrupt our kids, and that's true evil, and these same MFers were ready to put in a guy that got banned at malls for freaking enticing young girls. And maybe yeah, but, then, but then look at the vote. The vote was what, fifty to forty-nine? Exactly. I mean, and again, if it was, I wish, I wish it had been a landslide for Doug Moore. But, but again, that, that's why I can't. Okay, but that's why I cannot have. you go like, I don't understand why black women are celebrating, or I can't understand why black people are feeling that. Listen. We have a period where we could say, yes, we defeated the bad guy here, but the fight isn't over. It yeah, is not exactly. over. Right. We, got, we got to switch gears now. We got to switch Bingo. gears. Sergio, how was, yeah. how was uh, Star Wars? Without spoilers. Quick. Oh, <laughs> it, it, okay. It's really wild to, to change the subject. I like this. All you guys will like it. I think it does what it needs to do. Um, I have a few minor quibbles with it, minor, so minor that they don't even, it doesn't even count. Uh, the minor quibble, the one I think is too long, it has one too many climaxes, but if you're a Star Wars fan, you're going to love it for that. And also, more Benicio de Toro. They could have used him more in the movie. I assume he's coming back in Episode Nine. Here's the thing, but it's, it's stunningly made, stunningly made, that the... the, the it, it's it's um, technically this is without peer. It's incredible, right? Um, How does it compare with Blade Runner visually? Because Blade Runner was Blade Runner was something, man. Blade Runner was well, something. Well, visually too, but in a different way. You're comparing apples to oranges, apples to oranges in a way, because it's a it's really a different story. It's a different tone. You know, uh, visually, yes, Blade Runner is stunningly photographed, but so is this movie, too. Um, also, it was shot on film, not on video. Interesting. Uh, here's the thing. I'm dying to see what Claire Lynette will say about this movie, because you have two Asian actresses in this film who play sisters. Uh, both of them are Vietnamese-American actresses and one of them becomes a major character in this movie major character in this movie um i'm dying to see what she thinks of it i i i can't read the, the actress's last name is tron um i looked up her background she's basically comedy um this is i think really her first real movie she's done some tv work and some web series stuff but she's quite good in this picture. Um, everybody gets the moment to shine. I know you're interested about John Boyega. Boyega has 
several outstanding scenes, uh, very heroic scenes where he's clearly the hero in the movie. There's a hint of a romance. Okay. All right, right here, stop. Yes. Right here, stop, because my sci-fi self has already poked holes in some of this. Stop. I got to see it later today. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. You're, you're poo-pooing it? That's what you said? No. In other words, from what you just said, from yes. what I've read, to try to yes. avoid spoilers, I'm already getting a couple of spoilers beginning to form, so I'm stopping right here. No, no, stop. I won't say anything. I'm, there I'm we not going to give away anything. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm not giving away any twists, any turns, or anything. Um, you know, even um, oh gosh, what, I'm sorry, uh, Carrie Fisher. It's sad to see her in the movie. I mean, considering what happened, there's a really beautiful credit at the end of the movie for her. You know, there are some surprises, there are twists. That's all I will say. I guarantee all you guys will love it. I liked it. All you guys will love it. Can I ask a question? I, I, yeah. Go ahead. Do you, ahead. Think Ryan, do you think Ryan Johnson, the director, and Wayne Johnson, do you think he's um, up to the task of creating a uh, three uh, new Star Wars? Well, three, I'm uh, not maybe the person because I'm not. It's funny, I did a podcast, a, a different podcast, with some friends of mine after the movie. And one of the genesis was that, you know, I'm a, I'm a different generation, you know. I think Star Wars, when it came out at the time, it captured this whole generation of of people and kids, you know. So I'm not really of that generation, you know. I'm of the older James Bond generation, right. So therefore, what I'm trying to say is that, yes, maybe, you will have to see the film yourself to figure out if he's the right guy. I can't tell you. From what I've seen, I would say yes. Clearly, he loves Star Wars. Clearly, he knows the backstories and and loves the the whole thing about it. So I would say yes, he is. But and by the way, this movie has a beautiful final shot. That's all I'll say. Beautiful final shot. But uh, if he's the right guy for it, I leave that to the real star. Star Wars people For you to see the film And you to determine If he's, Ryan Jones is the right guy or not Hey, hey Steve I've heard that I've heard that you and I are going to be disappointed With Finn once again I'm sorry I can't hear you Say what I was saying to D-Bert, Yes. I'm hearing that he and I Are going to be disappointed With how they treat Finn in this movie once again I don't understand that See the film for yourself, and then let's hear what you say. I don't see what the problem. I don't see it. That's why I'm trying to avoid spoilers and everything. It hasn't worked to I'm the best of ability. I'm not giving you any spoilers or anything. No, no, I, no, no. I don't but, but see it. You, but you see Q's reaction right there? That means, Q, when you go in to see this film, you're already tainted. You oh, already no. got a bad it's view not. of Finn going in. No, no, no. I'm just telling you what I've heard. I'm not okay, it's but, it, but, but it's on your mind, so you're already painted going in. No, D- D- Daryl, it was on my mind when I saw uh, Force Awakens. Yes. When I saw the trailer where he was still asleep. Just like, just like blacks who fail to negotiate before they give their vote, this is what I would classify as sleeping Negro syndrome. <laughs> 
This Negro oh. is asleep and, and Force Awakens, and I want to see some coffee being brewed and not some Finn Poe nonsense, which is what which is which, uh, oh. uh, I hope I hope Sergio isn't referencing that. And this is not to, to be because people may people may misread what I'm saying. No, I would I would I'm tell all, you I'm this. All, I would te- okay. Well, let me, let me tell point. you this. Serge, Serge, hold on. Respectfully, yeah. let me finish my point. What I'm saying is I don't want people to think or misquote me for believing I have something against LGBTQ people. I, I, that not in the slightest. All I'm asking for is my specific lane. Q demand the same thing. Same thing when we see when we see. Hold on, I'm sorry. Somebody's shuffling something in the background. What is that? Okay. I, I, I just want to see black masculinity doing its thing. That's all, that's all I want to okay. see. Everybody else, okay. everybody else. Well, then everybody I will else. tell you this. Hold on. Hold I will on. tell you this. Hold, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Please, respectfully. I want to see them <laughs> see that element. And we don't normally see it for some reason. That's controversial. And I, there's some there, that that whole kind of soft peddling thing we saw with John Boyega. Now we probably will not see that with uh with the, with the the robot film. Okay, well I'm forgetting the name of the film. Uh, Pacific Rim. Uh, Pacific, Pacific Rim. Rim. Pacific Rim. He looks like he's that dude. He's not Idris, but he looks like he's yeah. that dude. In Star Wars, we see him not. To, the woman is the stronger of the two. And uh-huh. and again, you have you have. The internet, who's demanding a faction of the internet that's demanding, they they want to uh, craft this this Poe Finn thing like they want to craft uh, Captain America and Bucky. If they don't if they don't see it, they want to make it happen. I don't like that. Anyway, okay, I will tell you this: he has definitely grown into this character in the role. He is definitely more adult in this role. Right. As I said. He has a couple, he does the heroic stuff in this picture, you know? So see it for yourself. I'll listen to what you guys will say Saturday or Sunday or Saturday this weekend, and you tell me what you think. Listen, they, they shortchanged Billy D. Williams in 1980. Thank you. Thank you for okay. saying that part. You guys are getting mad at, at, at Finn, at John Boyega for his thing before, but where did Lando get some? If, but, if Billy D. Williams didn't get some, you expect John Boyega will? 2017. Cool up your jets and see the film, please. It's Thank you. See the picture? <laughs> I tell you, uh, all I know is that everybody I saw, this, I saw it Monday afternoon, and everybody... I mean, everybody loved it. Everybody Black Jimmy Olsen got some coffee recently. Black Jimmy Olsen got some coffee recently. That's what I yeah, want to Black Jimmy Olsen. Listen, Black <laughs> Jimmy Olsen effed the hell up, or the writers effed the hell up, because I would have taken Miss Lane over uh, Super and the other one. He yeah, had the best yeah. girl already. Yep, you're right. You're right. You know? So you know this is this is lengthwise this is the longest Star Wars film ever made at two and a half hours. So you know you you get you get bang for your buck in this one. Okay, so that means extra large Coke, a lot of popcorn and candy, and use the bathroom before you go in, folks. You've been warned. Sergio just laid it out for you. Because every right, time I think I said, man, this film is about to hit the cl- this film is about to hit the ending. No, it goes on. 
Then it goes on. Then it goes on. mess with Daryl right now. Hey, Daryl. Yo. Daryl. Yo. Yoda. I say no more. <laughs> Hey, hey, let's remember, the toughest mf alive got his arm cut off and got thrown off a building like a bitch. So, you know, I don't know what these guys are expecting. We ain't getting Dolomite in space here. But and that's I mean, what they want. I see it now, I there see now February <laughs> is going to be a big month for sci-fi because you got that Cloverfield movie by that Nigerian director, Julius Ona. You have uh, Black Panther, and then you have Annihilation with Tessa, with Tessa Thompson. And that's coming out, I guess, the end of February. All right. Let, let, let's, um, let's get into a couple of things. We've got about 30 minutes remaining. There's still a lot of topics on the table. I'm going to leave the, the lines open. I'm not going to play a groove or anything. We're just going to get into it. Um, what are your thoughts about this young man? that uh, made a, a plea in a video. We have to talk about this. Uh, this Tennessee student, middle schooler, who oh, uh, t- tugged the heartstrings of the nation. You had the football players. All these folks came out with this, this young kid that, uh, with, his, with prodding from his mother, basically makes a plea that he's being bullied because of, of his looks uh, it's, it's kind of a, a very um, nebulous reasoning as to why he's being bullied, but this is this is middle school. People get bullied, but he just couldn't take it anymore. You know, bullying, whether it's whether it's cyberbullying, bullying, or real time bullying, is a horrific thing. And uh, the, the 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 young man's name is Keaton Jones. Keaton Jones does this video that goes viral out of uh, East Tennessee. He's from a East Tennessee middle school. Kids called him ugly, as I said, and made fun of his nose. I mean, stuff that kids will do. But it, it's, you know, football players, the entire, all, all kinds, uh, actresses, actors, the elite came calling to this young white male's pleas of being, of being harassed. And now it's coming off a little bit, well, there's some stuff going on with his mama and his papa that may not garner any kind of sympathy. So, uh, oh, what are you, your thoughts you did, about... Wait, did you even hear the the thing that happened before that in school, which caused the incident? Oh, wait. Yeah, Finish. I heard that. I, I heard I, that. I, I, yes, will, I, I will. I will enlighten everybody in a second. I think I heard it, too. Yeah, I heard it, too. Okay. We were talking about educational abilities, right, of, of people down south, of maybe Alabama and stuff. This shows to me that the mom, hi, Mom Jones, hi, how you doing? Listen, we have this thing called social media these days. Yeah, if you want to pull off the lie and not reveal your kid's true history and why this was going to happen, eventually everything would be found out. Now, I'm also going to put this in context to a week prior. Before this video came out, there was two young girls of color, one black, and I think the other was, like, uh, mixed, all right, who committed suicide, a 10-year-old girl and a 12-year-old girl, separately, because of various bullying things. Okay, so I'm like, oh, man, this is messed up. So then here comes the Keaton video, and he's crying on film. And he's talking, oh, they, and, and, and um, I'm like, and I admit it, it got to me for a second. But then about 10 hours later, 
I see all this outpouring come, and an MMA fighter releases a video, and he stated, well, I went, I, I offered the mom and stuff support, and, and, and essentially the mom shot back, is it worth anything? Right there, that was red flag one. So I went, let, let me do my own research on this thing. And then I follow up, and I see that the kid that supposedly bullied Keaton was a black child who every day recounted stories of being bullied by Keaton, having the N-word thrown at him. Mm-hmm. And then you go and research the family and see, well, hey, there isn't a too many enlightening things on these families' pages about black people. So I was like, oh, this was a bullet dodge. But unlike me, I'm sorry, Chris Evans, I'm sorry, Mark Ruffalo, and I'm sorry, Stars of Hollywood, that offered this kid. And you know they, got, they raised like $50,000 uh, for a GoFundMe page. You know, I'm sorry, folks, but this is where I say I, I have the thing, use your head, do your research. Before you get suckered in, do the research. Do the research. Because... You were willing to give this for this kid and their family $50,000 without seeing the true nature of this, this whole situation. Now, I'm not saying, just like Afrener said, kids will be kids. And there's a little bit of taunting, a little bit of disrespect. But from what it appears to be, MTV used to have a series about fight your bully and stuff like this. This was a day that the black kid finally stood up to the racist white dude, punched his nose in and said, I ain't taking you calling me the N-word anymore, and he couldn't handle it. So the mom puts this out on social media. And when it turns out that the school has been talking to the mom about her son's behavior, and the mom kept on brushing it off. Many sides to this one, folks. You know, go ahead and interpret it in your own way. I interpreted mine just now. Floor is open. Have at it. Yeah, let me say this quickly. Yes, from all the calls as well. Again, folks, this is the Midweek in Review edition of Afternoon featuring Captain Kirk and, of course, the uncanny Daryl B., who you just heard. I, I have to say this, and this is a shout-out to our, to our, uh, our dear Claire, uh, an integral portion, passionate portion of our team. And we all know, of course, uh, the listeners know that Claire is, is an actress. She's a burgeoning actress, and undoubtedly we will see her in a Star Wars in a Star Wars film or, or some other iteration. I, I'd love to see her on screen. But a, as an actress and as a woman, um, you know, she made note of uh, personal experiences with wretched behavior. I mean, you know, whether you're black, white, Asian, male, female, all of us could probably point to something that would say that an individual or a corporation or someone has wronged you. So I remember we had, and I think Daryl was there as well, we had a rather passionate exchange uh, based on this current spate of allegations coming out. We just heard that Tavis Smiley's on, on the block now. His, head's, his head is on the block because of these allegations. So I think she saw me or heard me being somewhat dispassionate about the whole thing. 
And I, not that I don't have uh, uh, feelings or um, that I, I don't have empathy or sympathy with some of these, these victims, but at the same time, I, I, I must remind people, and maybe I might remind, remind Claire when she comes on on Sunday, that I have to take somewhat, I think we all should take somewhat of a, of a, a, a certain level of, of, what's the word that, that Dr. McWhorter talks about? He uses the term uh, mental equipoise. We have to be kind of even keeled when we hear, the, hear these stories because if we jump too quickly, we might get smacked in the face. And, I, and I've, I've done that before, and I stopped doing it. So I think she, what she heard from me, she probably heard this kind of, well, this guy isn't really, you know, he's not feeling anything. I, the, the minute you feel something with this kid, you, this kid is at, he's, he's crying. He's saying, listen, why I don't get this. Why am I getting bullied? It's an Academy Award performance. 24 hours goes by. Uh, there's a, a media search or a, a cyber search. You find out there's pictures of his mother with the, with the Confederate flag in the background. His father's in jail as a white supremacist. Now, maybe he shouldn't be blamed for that directly or indirectly. But then Daryl just spoke about that, well, listen, the, the, the apple doesn't fall that far from the tree. Isn't that what they normally say? So you, you, we just can't jump when people present these claims. The most famous case that I, I will admit I jumped on, and then I had to sit back. It changed my view, honestly, but with these kind of things forever. Local case, I'm pretty sure Daryl remembers it because it was local. I'm pretty sure that the captain remembers Maybe Hell, maybe more people might involve this case. This was out of Hofstra University. Hofstra University is where they, have, they had these debates. The presidential debates. Obama uh, had his debate there, and, and also the recent debate with, with Trump and, and Hillary Clinton. So this young black woman, of, young woman of color, was alleged to have been raped by, I think, six or seven or, or eight other men of color, students at, at the Hofstra campus. They showed their pictures. The minute you saw... Their pictures, and you hear this woman gets brutally raped by seven or eight guys. My first reaction was, "Oh wow, that's that's disgusting." I was I was angry. You know, people know I we practice I practice respectability politics. I I, I practice respectability politics. I saw black young black men that had had uh, access to education and they raped this woman. That's what I thought. Later on, you find out. Luckily for them, that they had this is the, this is the early days when they started having these these phones with cameras. The the phone, their phone was able to confirm that she consented to have sex with these young men, and that the reason why she lied because she came home smelling of sex. Her boyfriend was wondering why she was acting funny, and she didn't want she didn't want to lose her boyfriend, and she didn't want to be embarrassed in front of her boyfriend. She was, so instead of dealing with the embarrassment, she's willing to send eight men to prison because it looked like she was being uh, a lecherous woman. So if you have a woman that can lie, that eight men, when you hear eight men, you think, oh, that's a wrap. Who's going to lie about that? 
ever since I heard that story, I have to scrutinize everything and everybody. And this young man, once again, people came in, they, 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 they felt his story, they, they felt him. The elite came calling, and you find out that his background is racist. And that's the first thing that came to my mind when I said this. I said, I bet you, because I hate being this way, ladies and gentlemen. I really do. I hate being right 98% of the time. But my first reaction was, maybe I have OCD, was what? First of all, I, I knew right away, this kid, doesn't have a, this kid doesn't have a father in his life. Because his mother shouldn't be putting him on blast on a phone on video to go viral that way. Why would a mother put this put her son in full public view? Because what could happen is, let's say this really did happen the way that he said it happened. Well, this viral video, the kids will make fun of that. So who would do that? I said, by the way, this kid doesn't have a father in the house because the, the mother already, is, 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 instead of helping him, coaching him, giving him assistance, she puts him on video. For the world to see, for this this kid to be crying. So I knew something was up. Twenty four hours later, the Klansmen are co-signing on this on this effort. So pardon me for scrutinizing everybody. Enough said. Let's go around the horn, Captain. And we'll take the call for three. We'll take three one four. Nothing to add. And nothing to take away. Well said by you and Dow. Thank you very much. Everybody needs a proctological exam in Afro Nerds Universe. Virtual. Virtual. Anyway, 314. Welcome to the Midweek. Tell us who you are, where you're calling from. What's up? This is uh, Pianki coming from the Midwest. I was just responding to. Hey, how you doing? I was just looking on uh, your topic and you made mention about the election with uh, Mr. Moore. And the election outcome, and I have relatives that stay in Bessemer, Alabama. I'm happy to see that uh, the black electorate came out and showed their gratitude to Doug Jones for what he'd done back in 2002 when he courageously took on the position of prosecuting those that was associated with the conspiracy of the 16th the four girls, right. Street Baptist Church. Yeah, I'm happy that they came out and showed the man some gratitude because many times when you do some good deeds, you never hear anything from those that you're directing those deeds at. But another thing that it shows, too, well, first, the, 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 the turnout was low. But it shows, too, that with uh, the advent of the removal, of Section 5, Title 5 of the 1965 Voters' right, uh, Rights Act, mm-hmm. it didn't stop blacks from coming out to vote in Alabama because Alabama was one of the five states, or it may have been more than five, but one of the states that was under the DOJ observation because of that Title 5. And also it showed that photo ID did not stop voters from coming out either. So a lot was learned from it, I think. You make, a, you make an interesting, interesting point because when that Title V was removed, uh, that was a few years ago, Al Sharpton and all these folks came out and said that, oh, this is, this is, this is a, the end of civil rights as we know it, and uh, all hell was going to break loose. I've got to ask you something else, too. 
Because I recognize your voice. Were you on Karen Hunter's show recently? Who is? No. Okay, you on, mean on, on 126? Series? No, right. I, don't, I listen series? to it, but I don't call it. Okay, I thought, no. I, I, thought I heard you. Because it sounded like uh, you might have called. I just, but you didn't do it. But I thought you called someone because it seemed like you were giving them. Some, they didn't li- I like the fact that you did give. I thought you gave this person. Uh, you challenged them. And sometimes these radio hosts don't like to be challenged. So I thought I was hoping it was you. Well, they don't like to be challenged somebody, you know, especially who voted for Trump. And I'm not a Republican. I vote issues myself. I keep telling people that. And I think it's deplorable that when somebody like myself take those positions and look in that direction as far as uh, candidates, they're called all kind of names. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, listen, I'm no fan of Trump. Um I, my issue with Trump really is I just don't think I, I think there's a racial agenda with this gentleman. I think it's pretty clear when he tried to equivocate between the Klan and, and Antifa. That was a problem for me. I mean, it's pretty blunt in, in that in that regard. Um, and I don't think he had I don't think he has the comportment to be president. I mean, what he said about our senator uh, Gillibrand, you know, making references. I mean, we're we're in this whole sexist zeitgeist, and then he makes some bill. I mean, it's not presidential. So the only the only well, goodwill I can think the only goodwill I can think coming out of this for black folk, I have to look at this in, in, and I said this before in an inverted way is that because of Trump, because of his inadequacies, maybe black folks might craft an infrastructure. You know, in, in the segregation of the South, as bad as it as bad as it was, with the with the lynchings and the and the uh, the sundown laws and the pig laws uh, and the grandfather clauses. Black folks had a rudimentary infrastructure that we seem not to be able to craft today. So that's the, so because of the fear of the white man, I have to look at it that way. When Puffy Combs and, and, and those guys start saying, well, maybe we should have our own football league. You're damn right you should have your own football league. But I digress. Well, that's a good Go ahead, point. And, and that's a good point. And I, for one, am deplorable when the news media take it that all blacks vote the same way and have the same ideology. As I, agree I said before, I got relatives in, in Alabama, in Bessemer, and there's about five males. And I think the oldest is 39, the youngest may be around 29, somewhere around. They are millionaires because of the business activity they have indulged in from real estate, agriculture, and so on and so on. So they're going to have a different perspective than, you know, your average American period, but surely your, your average African-American. And uh, me, they just worked hard. They worked very, very hard. And let me tell you, uh, I don't have a – this whole thing about people, especially black folks, just simply having a different opinion, we seem not to be able to get, a, get around that. Now, we're going to talk about Omarosa, and Omarosa could have been someone. Okay, I, I don't think she had really has the skill set. To, to really be that woman That's what I have a problem with But there's going to come a point Where you have black folk that just don't agree with you And they should still be You know, you can discuss, discuss their belief system But there's this whole ostracizing thing That black folks do Or this virtual ostracizing thing That you must agree It's like a, he- a hegemonic mentality That if you don't agree There's going to be points where I don't I mean, I, I have caught that as a conservative, I don't always I don't agree. Listen, eight tenths of mainstream Black America, I don't agree with. If 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 I see Black folks going in one direction, I'm going in the opposite direction, because many of us are mm-hmm. going over the press. Many of us are going over the precipice on everything. So that's why I'm I'm not as gleeful 
about all these black women coming out for Doug Jones. I think you're right. Respectfully, we have to give him a nod because after 30 some odd years as a prosecutor, he brought those demons to justice for that 16th Street Baptist bombing. Okay, but mm-hmm. other, but, but 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 the bottom line is, we got to get over this thing where all black folks uh, have to agree, and you know people are clowning. You're a coon. Or what about what about black on black crime? You know what? That's a fair question. When is when is black on black crime not? Why is that not a fair question? Just because it makes you feel uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely it is. And let me ask you a question. At, at one point in time, didn't you have a group of black men that was talking about technology and on your show? It seemed like it was. Is that was it? Where well, you well, didn't get into the general conversation of events, but you was more like in t- talking about tech and so on. Well, we we when, when I had Captain Kirk's predecessor, um, Iron Man. Iron Man is a is a tech guy, Mr. Starks, and we had these tech moments. And actually, going in 2018, even with our website, we really want to start to engender that more, um, because unfortunately, someone like a Neil deGrasse Tyson, uh, uh, you know, listen, he doesn't he doesn't colorize necessarily colorize what he does. But it would be nice for someone like him to have a slice of an imprint specifically for black men to kind of follow his lead. You know, many of these, mm-hmm. many, many, many black outliers that they could be crafting an entire, an entire segment. They could be a, a black tech segment or a black tech uh, sector just on his, just, just on black science. But he, he, he gifts his abilities to the mainstream culture when black boys and black girls should be feasting off of what he's providing. You're absolutely right. And, you know, I think I'm older than you. And if I could give you some advice and see, I'm not the old dinosaurs or the John Lewis's and that I, you know, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, I didn't experience those things. So I can take those type of attitudes, have more programs along those lines. You know, because we are absent in those professions. We are absent in those rooms, and we need to be there. So I wish, and, you know, I can't tell you what to do with your show, but I can give you some advice, and and whether you take it or not, it's up to you. And it may not be no good advice, but have more shows where we're talking about those categorical things like that. You know what? It's duly noted, and early on in the show, you're correct, early on in the show, we had a lot of shows like that. We've been, we interviewed people like that. Um, so it, I will take heed, trust me. 2018 will be Thank different. you, sir. Thank oh. you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, okay, let's get into Omarosa's uh, buttocks uh, virtual, in a virtual sense. Virtually. <laughs> uh, let's, let's go to this, this quick clip. I know folks want to talk about it. This is Angela Rye. Uh, not hard on the eyes, but she showed herself. Um, well, you know, I'll let, I'll let We're the... all going to have this conversation about the, the black female vote in Alabama, but, but Angela Rye and Simone Sanders, come on in. Uh, we're talking, obviously, about Omarosa, and, and uh, I mean, listening to April's story and how she was trying to get into the residence, and we all know that's a no-no. Simone, did you, did you ever uh, have any issues or conversations with Amarosa? Any stories to tell? Look, much like everyone on this panel, we all know Amarosa. And yes, I've I've had a run-in with her at the National Association of Black Journalists Convention uh, this summer. And I, I think what's important to note here is that 
Omarosa has, a, has had a particular brand and style of the way she has operated within the White House, um, and she likes controversy and high drama. Um, this White House likes controversy and high drama. And so it was only up until recently, apparently, that the White House decided that this has gone too far where Omarosa is concerned and she had to be removed. But absolutely, she uh, clocked me in the corner at a yes, National Association of Black Journalists convention yeah. uh, in, in full display in the yes, lobby of a hotel where everyone could see in with the, the former president. In the in restaurant. The restaurant. Yeah. And so this <laughs> is, this is I, I'm not shocked uh, that this happened. And that wow. same weekend, she came and saddled up next to me trying to do something, again, with the president, the former president of the NABJ, who she's friends with, to stir up some controversy. And we also know, we remember that famous tape with Ed Gordon, where she, that's, uh, I guess it was Friday, where she was battling it out on the stage. It was, it was very unladylike. It was very, um, it was ugly. But the White House also, and absolutely, but the White House condoned this. And so while, again, I'm, I'm, no, I'm no fan of Omarosa, I will say that I find it interesting that the high-drama person of, the high-drama, high-profile African-American individual in the White House uh, is no longer to be tolerated, but there are lots of other problematic high-drama individuals um, that still have jobs. Uh, well, let, Brooke, let, let, can we, go ahead, Angela. I want to hear you, and then I do want to talk about the black vote in, in Alabama. That's, I so want to so talk about today. the black vote, too. But, Brooke, I'm going to yes, do ma'am. what you can't do and what April and, and April and uh, Simone are too good of people to do, and that's just going to be petty for a minute. <laughs> oh, Angela. Oh, bye, Angela. girl. Oh, bye. Angela. We did it already on the podcast, April, but bye, honey. You have never represented the community. You are skin folk. We don't own you like Zora. Goodbye, oh. good riddance. Goodbye. Deuces. Angela, Ow. Angela, you know I have much love for you, but you know what? I don't delight in anyone's demise. That, I'm not oh, delighting in her demise. I wish her the best, but ah! <laughs> I will say, no, no again, I don't, I don't think... Um, I can just speak for myself and maybe maybe some other folks that folks weren't necessarily sad to see Amarosa go today. Okay. No. Amarosa, Amarosa out. We are turning the page, ladies. Yes. We're going to talk Alabama. Before you turn the page, Brooke, before you turn the page. April, let's wait, go. Hold on, hold on. TMZ is reporting that um, the president, it would not be beyond the realm of possibility for President Trump to tweet something about, thank you, Amarosa, for your service. So expect that tweet soon. Stay tuned for Twitter fingers. In the all right. This this is the issue with Omarosa, and I'll, I'll go around the horn. Uh, I, I don't. Listen, I thought Omarosa. And I know this. You have to be careful about saying these things now, because now we're in this zeitgeist of feminism. I, I thought she was an attractive black woman, who uh, uh, unfortunately, I don't think had. Not that attractiveness is everything, okay? But it, it's not something to be discounted. She's. She, and we have to go into skin color politics. We have to go into plantation Olympics, which I detest. But she was a darker complected, attractive, professional-looking black woman. Now, if she had the skill set and was a conservative and, could, and really could talk that talk, she could have been the black Ann Coulter. But underneath all of that, there was nothing going on. She reminds me of Robin, Robin Gibbons on a certain level. Robin Gibbons lied about having some Harvard connection, but... She was she she was she too was attractive. See, I got to say this. There's this whole notion in the black community, and when it comes to beauty and skin tone, that whole nine. That well, you know, uh, the tragic you know, there's the tragic mulatto in quotes, but there's also the tragic 
darker complected black woman. And it's really not true when you really, really are confident about there. There are uh, there were a litany of dark dark skin. I hate, I hate to even have this conversation, but dark skinned black women. Sergio knows this. In the 70s, late 60s, Judy Pace, people like that, um, uh, 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 Thelma Dobson, all these people. Brenda Sykes, I can go Brenda, on. Yeah. Yeah. Brenda Sykes, right? They were unstoppable, right? Even Grace Jones, to a certain degree, was unstoppable. She's high fashion, high camp. She dated uh, Dolph Lundgren. You know, a, a Nazi poster boy, like the, like the, the video clip I, I play all the time. Okay, there are some black women that that know they have it. It the skin tone really doesn't matter. They, they date Robbie Givens, all these people. They've been able to move in certain society, in certain society, being dark skin and all that, where we're being told you can't move. Where some of this is, you really don't believe in yourself, and and, and if you're fine, you're fine. So not every dark-skinned woman. Like, how do you explain these women being able to move the way that they have, and allegedly they're they're too dark for that, or they're not beautiful enough for that? So some of this stuff is is hype. It's not really, really real. Naomi Naomi Campbell is on the is on the yachts of white billionaires all the time. Okay, dark-skinned and all. So the issue I have with Rob Amarosa was she just did not have. The skill set behind it all, but she was had enough hype and beauty to still get in there. So the the skin tone thing, I don't, I don't know how true that is all the time. Because there's a, there's a litany of dark skin, attractive black women that that have been able to make moves that some, that even some light skin women weren't even to make. But she was not that woman underneath the surface. She did not have the skill set. She's she was a manipulator. And she was that villainous going back 15 years ago, and she was still able to, to run with that. But she doesn't have the skill set of some of these other conservative black women. That's what really did her end. I thought she was different. I thought okay, she was different. Okay, okay. Uh, wait, wait, wait. All right. Hold on. What did you ever see from her that entitled her to that position? Right. Right. I, I, I I you just went That's on this diatribe and I heard absolutely nothing. This is why from the beginning when she was named to it, I was like, WTF. All through it, what's she doing? I don't see it in public. How is she helping anybody out? All her claim to fame that a regular black dude like me has ever seen her on was the damn an apprentice show, which I hated. So that's the only thing I knew her from. All right. Well, At no, least I don't think you forgot I, Fear Factor. The, uh, uh, Fear Factor, where she dressed in a bathing suit and had to swallow worms and put them in a cup or something. Okay. So I mean, that, I never saw this conservative. That entitles you to a White House position? Wait. Being, oh, yeah, Trump's president. That's right. right. Anyway. I never saw her as being uh, conservative. I just saw her as being an opportunist. And also the other thing as well is that maybe it's me, but there's some people, I'm talking about black people, who I think Pratt had really, really hard childhoods. And now that they're older, what they do and what they say is sort of like a revenge form. Like, 
uh, this woman, uh, Amorosa, you know, she probably had some kind of horrible childhood, and all the black people make fun of her. So she's going to get back at all the black people who made fun of her life. Just like that Paris Denard guy who you see on CNN, that uh, hardcore black Trump supporter. You know, I can I won't go into it, but I clearly can see he had some real childhood issues he can't deal with. I mean, she oh. is who she is. She's a fraud and she's shallow. And this is the fourth time now she's been fired by Trump. Fourth time. I, I Where she's going to go only, next? I guess she'll land on her feet somewhere. The only reason she was working in the White House is because she was one of maybe five black people that Donald Trump knew. That's the only reason. That's the only reason. It has nothing to do with her skills. She has no skills, as far as I can tell. Right. I mean, like I said on the, on the chat, uh, there is no pension in bed winching. She had no skills, <laughs> and the only reason she was in there is because Trump said, I need a black person. I need a black face. Oh, let me call the people that I know. I'm surprised Randall Pinkett, well, he probably turned them down, or Kwame turned them down, too. That's the only reason she's in there. She was in there. Well, well, well Dr. Pinkett actually uh, spoke out against Trump while he was running. So that's number one. Randall Pinkett, that's your first clue that Trump really was about to BS because during his, his moment in the sun during that particular um, Apprentice episode, if you remember, he was trying to offer him a gig uh, while sharing it with the second place person or, or the person you had a tie with. And then uh, Dr. Pinkett said, last time I checked, this is called The Apprentice, not The Apprentice. So Dr. P- Dr. Pinkett has a, is, is, is a high cogitative individual. He has multiple de- – he collects uh, degrees like baseball cards. So I knew that wasn't going to work. That's that thinking black man that checkmarked, that check, checkmated uh, Trump, which isn't difficult to do. I'm just telling you that my, my feelings about, uh, about Omarosa is that in some regards – I mean, I, I know she's a – hey, she's, she's a, from Bison's country. She's a Howard University graduate, all right? But she's very similar in some respects to Robin Givens, who had a little something, had a little access, and then was able to exaggerate it and embellish it. Not that different than Trump, really. That's probably another reason. It's more than just he knows her as a black person. She worked for The Apprentice. There's a like-mindedness thing going on there. Because Trump, uh, we know now that it's not reported enough, but Trump is always lauding about how educated he is and talking about how he has an MBA, okay, from the University of Pennsylvania. But he has, he has allegedly he has a, like a BA degree in economics. He didn't go to the Wharton Business School. The Wharton Business School is an esteemed uh, business graduate program, graduate program. He didn't go to the graduate school, but he, 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 he embellishes. Now, you look at the bio for Omarosa. Omarosa says... This, is, this was said during The Apprentice that she was some kind of a logistics assistant uh, under Al Gore during the Clinton administration. Okay, that was, but now we're finding out that was really she was, some, she was some kind of scheduling correspondent. She was like a secretary. Yeah. Okay, but she had this highfalutin make-believe, make-believe title, and she used that from the 90s all the way to being in, in this, this, this special community, what is it, community outreach person. And some makeup position at the White House. I mean, if she was really a person who was skilled and intelligent and looked that way, 
who knows where she'd be able to go. She didn't have the credo of Condi Rice, who black folks still didn't like. Okay, At so least my we problem, respected Condi Rice. No, but listen, no, no, let's not be, let's not be too hasty. That's what I'm getting at. See, there, see, my issue is this. There's going to come a time when someone looks like that and doesn't have and speaks differently, and it can't always be because you saw, you heard the cackling, you heard the cackling of Angela, uh, of Angela Rye that oh, she's you know not my skin folk and all that stuff. Listen, we cannot ostracize all black people because they because they're different. They can't. Uh, hey, uh, the, to the uncanny, they'd like to ostracize you because you wear a, 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 a Star Trek T-shirt. Okay, you are hey, you are a, but, you're a but, member. So but, where does it stop? I, where does it I stop? can ostracize her because her job was community outreach, special the community outreach. What pictures? What thing did you ever see of her in the community? She didn't do her damn job. So I could outreach her. I could I could ostracize her all I want because she did not do the job she was given. She did not make any inroads. She wasn't out there and and she was not qualified from the jump. So she was punching way above her station. Listen, there's one thing to to fake the funk. There's another thing to be about it. I'm no professional interviewer. But if you go to comic conventions and you see me greet these, these, these writers and these artists and stuff, I greet them with respect. I know I'm not in their class or in their station, but I treat them with respect. Amorosa got into the room. She was into the room with these players and treated them like, I'm the baddest bitch. You got bow down to me. You're going to respect me. And it's not just what Miss Ride said. You've heard many accounts of her doing that in the room. So guess what? When they're celebrating that she gets her ass kicked out, it's justified. You could do all your color politics, but Amorosa's own attitude and behavior in these rooms kills your own case, D-Bert. I'm not disagreeing with you. You're not making no case. (laughs) Exactly. I'll be quick. I'll be quick. I'll be right back to you after this. <laughs> well, as a high yellow, light skinned black male, <laughs> oh. <laughs> you, oh. you black now we go off the rails. We go off the rails. <laughs> go ahead. Let's apply to Jay Z's Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. The story of OJ. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, pass it back to you. That's all I wanted to say. We'll make a joke. I gotta get. See, now I gotta get. I gotta get. You say something like that. I must get the story of OJ. I gotta get that on. on, on. I probably haven't. Okay. That's how I feel about. I don't care. I don't care if a, if a black person comes in and says they're they're point zero point zero one percent black. In in, in term, okay, you're in the club. Okay, that's it. They are, so you accepted my ghost into the club? You, you're oh, accepting yeah. Cardi B into the club. You, that just been going on for months upon months upon years about it. You're accepting them into the club. But when I say Amarosa isn't a part of my club ever for her attitude and, and the fact she wasted, squandered this opportunity, I'm wrong. No, you, no, no check you, yourself, you sir. I'm not disagreeing with you. Okay. I, you, know, you didn't hear what I said. I said to you, 
that Omarosa wasn't that chick because she really did not have the skill set. But my issue, though, is that there's going to come a time when someone does have the ability and they do certain things and black folks will still not like them for a particular reason. Sometimes it gets a little deeper than just a person uh, not doing what you want them to do. Sometimes it's a matter of a person just having a different opinion. Black folks can be ostracized. You could have highly skilled people, highly skilled black folks, but if they have a difference on, of one opinion, it's so bad that you could be in line with, with, with another black person nine out of ten things. But that one thing that that person may not agree with you with might be worthy enough of, 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 of being ostracized. That's how this hegemonic mind state operates in the black community. Now, I'm just telling you that Omarosa doesn't fit that description, but there's going to come a time where somebody probably does everything else the right way, but they just don't agree with you on certain things. There's going to come a point where black – there has to be a space where someone like the Uncanny can wear a Star Trek T-shirt – and not be called not black, or black people really don't do that, or you're not really. So I've been told that before. But With I'm not, not black, never, no. never did I no, say she black. wasn't black. All I'm saying is, okay, karma that. is a bitch, and she found that out. She had her chance. You, uh, no matter what lie or or exaggeration got her into that position. She was in a position, and she did nothing with it. We don't know what the inner workings was, okay? But she showed who she really is when she was told to, when she was removed, okay? I, again, I have never seen, I have never seen, I still haven't seen her do a good deed. Still haven't. N- n- never. Absolutely not. Again, and I, I'm the guy that doesn't like reality TV, all right? But when she got named to position, I go, okay, well, what has she done? And all I see and all I hear from people are examples of her being a B-I-T-C-H on air towards everybody and everything. And I'm like, she has no redeeming qualities whatsoever. This is I a agree. reality TV qu- uh, hire. I, I I agree with you, and we're going to cut it and go to one more topic, and we'll, we'll cut the show. We'll, we'll close shop. But mind you, that the same critique that you are levying against uh, Amorosa Monagol, uh, some in the black community, the quote-unquote hotems, would say the same things about your, your former president, President Barack Obama. Where does it stop? This is a, this is a never-ending well by the black arbitrators of who was black and who was not. This goes on consistently. And I'm just telling you, that she wasn't, she really was that empty person. But there are people like like Barack Obama who do everything right and still might come up short in the eyes of certain black people. It's That's right. my point. <laughs> exactly. You could you could be uh, 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 someone like Malcolm X was was the blackest person I know of of record. And someone in this era, especially, might say, "Well, he's got freckles and got red yep. hair. What's that about?" What, 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 see, this, this is what I'm telling you. We had Jesse Williams, actor, who I respect. I don't really agree with his politics, but he, came, he weighed in the way black folks like. Okay, when he did his infamous speech uh, at the BET Awards a couple of years ago, and he went full Malcolm X with his white mama in the stands, 
Yeah. Uh, instead, instead of lauding over what the man said, they said, well, he's got light eyes. This is, this <laughs> is the face. This is the face of the Negro in 2017, 2018. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry, I, couldn't, I couldn't buy Jesse, Jesse Williams. I couldn't buy him for a second. he he I'm sorry, when he, I couldn't buy it. I couldn't buy it. It's just and, like he was. And when, hold on, hold on. I'm on a roll. I, just, I bring a mic right back up on you, Serge. And when he, the, a couple of weeks, couple of months later, when he uh, was with alleged a, a white woman, Minka Kelly, who's fine as hell, all of a sudden the sister said, "Oh no, we can't have that." Okay, so he became, he was in the house, then then quickly kicked out of the house because who he was dating. So we're full of crap. We're full of crap. We're never going to be black enough for certain people. I'm just telling you, I felt your pain, the uncanny, when you were wearing a Star Trek shirt. Hell, I got 15 Star Trek shirts. So I know full and well someone would question me. When I first started Afro Nerd, this is before you came on. When I talk about bullying, I was cyber bullied when I first started Afro Nerd. I got lengthy diatribes telling me, you're not black. You're not black because no one speaks that way. I mean, just a whole. I might even still have these 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 emails. So I know what that is like. And I'm saying I'm playing soul music, black rock music, doing all kinds of things. But because I don't agree on a few things, all of a sudden, we got to get rid of you. <laughs> and I was being bullied because of it. Anyway, let me bring back Sergio. No, Jesse Williams. No, I always thought he was a fraud. Anyway, there's something I don't think he's a fraud. It was something always inherently false about him or unbelievable. So then the whole thing came out about him and his wife and this other woman. I said, yeah, that goes par for the course. I really suspected that the reason he got so much play is because of his looks. Oh gosh, he's this light-skinned guy, uh, you know, mixed guy who's so who's so woke. Who's so positive? We love him, you know. And I said, no, don't, don't get too excited here. Yeah, but see, you can't and use was, that as a measuring. You can't make. You can't use that as a measuring stick, um, sir. Yes, I can. You, no, oh, well, it's, I can. Because, well, well, I didn't okay, buy it. I didn't I'll buy it. To you. <laughs> but listen, you have Barack, <laughs> President Barack, Barack Obama, okay, who black folks question because of his parentage, and yet he right. marries. He marries a sister that, that many black men probably would not date. Okay, I don't have any problems with how, how I think she's, she is a, a, an attractive, professional black woman, Michelle Obama. She, would, she really is the quintessential black woman one, should, one would want to marry, uh, irrespective of race, but especially as a black man. But many black men will go for the IG model over uh, Michelle Obama, if you're going to keep it 100. Well, well, so Barack Obama... Well, Barack Obama married that married this well-esteemed, established, professional black woman, the type of black woman that black men should be dating and marrying. He studies under uh, Derek Bell, who created critical or, or, or uh, a craft, drafted critical race theory at Harvard. Okay, so he, he was under the this, this super black minister in your haunting grounds, and this man wasn't black enough. And yet, you have someone like like uh, like um, Clarence Thomas, who is phenotypically blacker than everybody in this discussion. Okay, and yet 
he marries a white woman who's who's a, like a staunch leader in the in the uh, in the um, Tea Party movement. Go figure. Yeah, there's no, there's, you can't, you just can't do that. But the, also, the other thing too is is that, tell you disagree with me. I think a lot of black women turned around and supported Obama because of who he was married to. Oh right? yeah. Right, and it's the same thing with Jesse Williams. Jesse Williams was married to this. Well, she wasn't dark skinned, but he was married to this sister. wasn't a knockout, but she looked like this sister, right? And all the and all the sisters said, "Oh wow, look at him! Look at the woman he's married. God, he's really woke." And then what happened? He's done for a white chick. For more is than Afro, one. Is Afro not really with that blonde with the large breasts and nice feet? What is going on? Black people got some color issues. I saw that Negro with that Star Trek teacher going in his 2018 Corvette with some blonde chick. How dare right. he? Yeah. Can't, I can't make no... She looks, she looks a lot like Kim Kardashian. Is that Kanye's, Kanye's leftovers? What the hell is going on? I guarantee you. Well, uh, with, with, listen, listen. If D-Bert <laughs> dates Kim Kardashian, I will put the bullet in D-Bert's head him, uh, myself. That's a vow. Well, be careful. I'm not oh, by the way, D-Bert, you only, by the way, going back to the beginning where you talked about Mandingo, you got half the line right. You know, I thought you were different, what Ken Norton says. Yeah, but... But you're just white, I think he said, right? Yeah, that's it. That's the second part, but you're just white. (laughs) (laughs) I got to find that clip. I have to find that clip. That's what what Amrosa said said to Trump when she kicked kicked her off the White House lawn. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Only way it could have been done better is if they threw her out the window, Eddie Murphy style in Beverly Hills Cop. And let's, let's talk about Colin Kaepernick. See, this, this is, I said this before, um, and, and I know um, the, 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 the captain's predecessor, um, Iron Man, who was of lighter complexion, and I hate to even talk about complexion. I, I don't even deal with that. Yeah, but I'm talking baby. about it. But I'm, I'm mentioning this, uh, benching this because, uh, well, sometimes I get pulled into this. We talk about this a lot, and we joke around with each other a lot about this, that truth be told, and I said it before, there's a lot of evidence. That some of the some of the quote unquote lighter skinned black folk, who just phenoty- just phenotypically, some would say, or would question their blackness, that many of these people, if you're taking a tally, weigh in better than their darker skinned colleagues. Okay. That's right, baby. So, I mean, just, Malcolm X showed you the way. Uh, Adam Clayton Power showed you the way. Uh, I could go through a, I could go through a whole litany of black folks that shows you the way, and I can mention your your. your hey, Deborah, uh, I got good news for you. I found a clip. I will send it to you. Thank you. Please, thank you. Cause I, I will I will get that audio, and we yes. we see we see I see too many since I'm being I'm being forced to notice people's complexions in the black community, because I I'm with the OJ the story of OJ. That's my mentality when I deal with black people. Um. What, you're, what, what, we're, what we're seeing now is Colin Kaepernick, he's going to Rikers Island to talk to the inmates. And uh, the controversy is that the uh, Corrections Officer Union has a, took umbrage with this man 
visiting these, these inmates at, at, at Rikers Island. They have a problem with this man doing good deeds. But again, this man is a, pick, a mixed parentage, but he identifies uh-huh. as a black person. The culture and society identifies him as a black person. That, that, this whole question mark is only in the, in the minds of black people. Because when you move around pragmatically in life, you can, you can be cobbling Asian all you want. They're still going to – you saw his cobbling Asian ass, Tiger Woods, drugged out of his mind under the cop's purview like anybody else, like Shaquan Jenkins. Okay? So uh, the culture and society has, has made that for everybody who has a .0.1% black extraction. I'm on, the, I'm on the story of OJ tip personally. So I'm going to go hey. around the horn a little bit. Go ahead. But as, as you've already seen, as it's already been documented, Colin doesn't get support. I mean, that's sarcastically. Well, yeah. That's, that's what's that issue, isn't it? I, I want to go around the horn and we'll close shop. But Colin Kaepernick, but, you know, we're seeing some of his, some of his uh, fellow football players of varying teams are starting to come out, but you know a deal has been cut also that we never got we never got a chance to speak about. I think eighty nine million eighty nine million dollar deal that many of these players took for silence. So, but this man made a sacrifice. He loses his job. Uh, I don't think. Listen, we're some of us in the community. This is in uh, Q Storm's haunting grounds. Uh, are willing to go? <laughs> this is this is the irony of Black Life, Daryl. That I'm talking about. Some of us are going to the hilt for Meek Mill, but will not go to the hilt for uh, a very black Colin Kaepernick. Because black, because hey. white folks have white folks have certainly to white people Colin Kaepernick is as black as as uh, as Malcolm X or anybody else. He's very black. That's, that's, that's trust you, blacker than, than these than these people that are cutting deals. Well, again, uh, not to be a dead horse, okay? I lost respect for a lot of NFL players when they took that deal, okay? Because they, oh, we're going to do it to stop kneeling. Do you know why you were kneeling in the first place? Oh, we were protesting Trump. Okay, good for you. That's beautiful. So you got this payoff to, to stop protesting Trump. That's good for you. Do you know the origins of, of the kneeling? Oh, yeah, it was with Kaepernick, but he was wrong when he did it, but I'm right when I did it. And this is just paraphrasing some of the interviews I heard about the, after that deal, you know? But, but, again, this is where the dude that started doing it with Trump, who's still in the league, Eric Reed, he went, I didn't agree to this. I don't know why we sold out his exact words. So, like I said, hey, you know what? That and again, and initially I didn't agree with it, but as it as it turns out, the guy that still has the moral high ground here has been and always has been Kaepernick. Why? Dude never changed. Dude's still doing his good deeds. Doesn't matter what community, white, black, the NFL, society, he is still doing his deeds to outreach and try to make the world a better place. And for that, I salute him for it. Let me, let me um, read this you know, for more specifics so we can find out exactly why these uh, corrections officers are angry with this guy. 
and again, I, I, I find it disturbing whether you agree or disagree. Now, listen, initially, I wasn't really on Team Kaepernick initially, but I had to give him props because he was well-spoken and he wasn't an ignoramus. I mean, we've seen so many folks in sports and entertainment that are just plain embarrassing. So to see this young man of color at least stand for something, I came around. And, you know, I have an issue with the all-black lives mattering versus black lives mattering. That's my distinction. But I have to give props that he is an excellent representative right now. And, you know, uh, for him, for someone of his status to visit these, these, these folks that are in prison, I don't know why this is controversial. Anytime someone in the community speaks out against uh, black and black crime, or just a, or is just a positive force, and is very demonstrative in being positive. All of a sudden, all hell breaks loose. But if you are a a minstrel, that's okay. You can be a criminal and you can get hired by the NFL. But if you're just political, you can't get a job. Anyway, this is from CBSSports.com. Colin Kaepernick's visit to visit to Rikers Island, New York's main jail facility, has drawn the ire of the union that represents correctional officers. The complaint comes uh, that the Correctional Officers Benevolent Association, whose president said that, that Kaepernick's visit will inspire inmates to act violent towards guards. All right. The visit, which was on Tuesday, was encouraged by the Correction Department, encouraged by the Correction Department. According to USA Today, Correction Department spokesman Peter Thorne said that the visit was to share a message of hope and inspiration. Less than 24 hours after the surprise visit, however, the union fired back and said they did not condone the visit. This will only encourage inmates to continue to attack correction officers at a time when we need more protection. Okay, I just don't, I mean, that's a stretch to me. I don't, I'm completely, I, I don't get that. <laughs> and in other news... Uh, if if twenty percent of the prison uh, uh, population are there for marijuana and less things, on several news sites we've been reporting how cannabis yoga is a new fad sweeping the nation. Why why do I bring that up, folks? That's just as much of a leap as the corrections uh, spokesman here is making. Colin Kaepernick is inciting violence? Because that's what you're saying. Colin Kaepernick shows up to, to, the, to the prison to talk to inmates, and all of a sudden they're going to start rioting against us, and we don't have enough protection. Really? Really? Um, hey, Cap, how many violent, uh, violent situations has Kaepernick uh, exposed so far? Been behind? How he many? Donates, he donates thousands of dollars. To, to, to African, I mean, to African uh, uh, children and African um, uh, charities. I mean, uh, he get, he donates his own money, hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I mean, too big, Bert, so, so, you know? so who do you want, little little Uzi Burt? <laughs> you want a boogie with a hoodie? You want yeah, future? Yeah. What what a future visit to prison? What what what, what would that happen? What would happen then? I nominate future next time then. What is that? Come on, really? You might as well have Obama stop by. That's going to be a problem, too. I mean, hey. That's kind of where this guy is at. That's the level. So, I, so if it's either future, future Obama or Kaepernick. Pick your poison. This is fear-mongering. 
That's what it this is. is. This this is this is something we'd see in comic books where Nazis would rile people up to get people to hate one another. This dude is riling up people to playing on the 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 hatred for Kaepernick that's out there because he's quote unquote scared that some of the stuff that's going on back there is going to to mess up the symbiosis or whatever they have going on in the prison system. And meanwhile, we we all know that the prison system isn't exactly fair to us. You know, when it comes to 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 labeling misdeeds and everything and that. And if you want further proof of that, that Ritzy California fire that was happening, they had inmates, male and female, fighting that fire. Be getting paid a dollar an hour, risking their lives to put out those flames for 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 all those rich folks out there in California and stuff. A fire that they found out was started by an illegal cooking fire at one of those houses that they didn't improperly put out. When they discovered the location of this fire or what the origination point, I want to see those people get tried and put in that same prison as those inmates fighting that fire. I'm just saying, because they they took out millions upon millions upon billions of of, uh, dollars in property there. If if, If you can't even put out your own flame, you know, then you're more of a danger to society than Colin Kaepernick is. My two cents. I, I just know that this is almost uh, like a real-life Stranger Things upside down. Again, I repeat, you have plenty of notable black people of ill repute that, we, that people laud over that could easily visit that prison. You could have uh, any and pick any one of these current rappers to go in there, whereas you have this gentleman who's, who's educated, who was actually of public service, who, who declines or has been unable to seek uh, further employment through football, but he still is a public servant, you know, uh, or I should say a private person doing public service. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, this is incredible. And the gentleman that's the head of, the, of this uh, corrections officer's doing is, is, of, uh, is a black man. So, I mean, not that it means anything, but it just goes to show you that, I mean, you have folks that just don't like what this man represents when – Again, even if you don't agree with him, you could disagree with his policy, but you can't uh, you can't discount that he is a, 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 a not a criminal, and is really about serving the community. He's a, he's active. He's an active person in the community. He's not. Uh, yeah, football, football players that uh, are straight up criminals. <laughs> I mean, what do you want? All right. Uh, Q-Storm, any thoughts, and then we'll have to close shop. I think you guys have covered it. There was something I wanted to get on my chest about uh, when the caller called in Trump supporter. Right. I really wanted to. I really wanted to fire off something, but uh, I'll, I'll hold it till another show. All right, <laughs> gentlemen. As always, man. Uh, we always get it in, uh, Daryl. But you know, <laughs> that's part of the show. It's festive. It's uh, festivus, as they say. <laughs> hey, the, 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 only, the only thing that would top us going at it on air is the show where we finally get David Clark opposite Colin Kaepernick in a room about today's oh. issues. 
Oh, that'll explode. <laughs> that'll be that'll be an explosion. I don't I don't even, I don't even want to see that. I, uh, he might be the he might be the only person. Like he might be the only that person that like, might actually be a bitch. Like a cool individual's got a comprehension problem. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> okay, on that note, gentlemen, uh, Sunday, uh, maybe Dowry can call in. You know, we'll I'll figure try. it out. Please. Uh, okay, more Christmas stuff, man. This is Blue Christmas, Miles Davis, Sunday. 6 p.m. Claire's coming through. As always, people. Merry Christmas. I hope you have a white one before we get blue. Blue Christmas. That's the way you see it when you're feeling blue. Blue Xmas. When you're blue at Christmas time, you see right through all the waste, all the sham, all the hate, and plain old bad taste. Sidewalk Santa Clauses are much, much, much too thin. They're wearing fancy rented costumes, false beards, and big fat phony grins. And nearly everybody's standing around holding out their empty hand our tin cup. Gimme, 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 fill my stocking up. All the way up It's a time when the greedy Give a dime to the needy Blue Christmas All the paper and the faulty rock Blue Xmas People trading gifts that matter not at all What I call faulty raw Bitter gall Faulty raw Yeah. <laughs> 